Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas for $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Hey, does anyone want to learn French with me? Because I've decided in 2024 that I want to learn French. And thankfully, I have Rosetta Stone. So you better hop on and so we can learn French together. Rosetta Stone has the amazing true accent feature, which is so helpful, especially in French. You get feedback on how well you're actually pronouncing words. Plus, they have 25 languages to choose from. So if you're not going to learn French with me, I'm sure you can find some other people who will learn a language with you. But I'm on the French team this year. Come on, folks, join me. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, and that's why we drink listeners, can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash drink. That's rosettastone.com slash drink. Yay! Okay. Ugh. Eva, today Hello. today is a day. I don't know what is going on, but the world just feels like it's retrograde yes? It is the most retrograde. Uh, there's uh, just everything out the window is uh, on one. Also, everyone in here is on one, including us. <laughs> there's Me, like people cats. now people now make fun of it and call like ret- like Mercury and Gatorade or whatever. And then they feel like Mercury <laughs> in the microwave. Today feels like a day where Mercury is in the fucking microwave and it's mm-hmm, exploded. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it actually we put foil in the microwave with it, too. Uh, correct. <laughs> yes. Chaos. And also, I think I, I texted you earlier, but I was going to tell you the story anyway. Um, em, ask me why I drink because this is also regarding retrograde. And... Oh, why do you drink? Okay. So this morning I was in my car. It's pretty early. I was driving around. I was at a stoplight. I'm just like listening to this like really like lovely kind of like like emotional podcasts, like very like thoughtful and like whatever. Out of nowhere, I hear this insane cackling, just like Halloween cackling. <laughs> what? Top 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 tier like I'm what in my it? car too. Where was it? So I I like I had this panic in my heart that was like okay, I'm going into overdrive, but I know that it's not something like life threatening because I can tell that it's it's like I walked past something in CVS, but I'm in my car. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what a it's just like someone threw in a weird sound effect on this show. Well, so it turned out because I but I could tell that it was in my car, so I was like, this is terrifying. Turns out, do you remember giving me a little light switch cover? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I see where this is going now. Yeah, I got Eva a light switch that looks like a mad scientist like pull switch where like you have to like pull the lever to close. I don't know. To, you know. Anyway, it's yeah. a but it's a light switch that turns on and off when you pull the lever, but it also like glows bright green and has like a creepy witch cackle. I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> no, I'm the idiot that didn't take it out of my car. So I was, was going like... to say, good to know you have it installed it into your wall. <laughs> that feels good. <laughs> it definitely was. I'm like a really bad, like, I'll leave even like exciting things that I love I did in the my same car thing. for like way too long. So it was in my, like, not even my side door pocket. It was in the passenger side door pocket that then I had to like. Why are you just leaving? <laughs> How did it get there? What I could, you know, my car. 
day in and day out is a goddamn nightmare. I <laughs> never want anyone to ask for a ride in my car. But the one spot that is always the cl- as clean as can be is the passenger side pocket because I can't even reach that area. Uh, you know, fair. I think my friends had been in this weekend, so I think I kind of was like stashing things in different places uh-huh. to be like, makes sense. oh, I'm clean. I'm not. But <laughs> uh, ask me why I drink. Why do you drink them? Okay, because you you asked this earlier, and I was trying to, like, be coy, but it didn't work. But I am officially on Adderall. (gasps) Yay! Bravo! So to everyone that was on Stratera with me in that moment, I commend you for staying on Stratera, but it was not for me. Mm -hmm. And uh, I ended up going off of it, and then I just lived the unmedicated life for the last six months. And that's why people are like, hey, um, where's the escape room? Hey, um, where's this? And it's like, mm-hmm. I can't do anything. I, It's uh-huh. not you. I can't do it. But um, I just got off the phone with a psychiatrist who was very lovely. Oh, love. Finally. Finally. Love. It only took a million years. And um, she gave me like a an evaluation. I guess... she was like it seems like you need this kind of immediately so instead of going and getting like your previous doctor's medical records i'm just gonna redo the test now with you and she i guess the range is like from zero to four is the scaling system or where like like oh you have adhd like four is oh you have adhd i was at a six (laughs) oh she was like she was like i am writing the prescription immediately (laughs) to the very nearest pharmacy so uh anyway so i am officially on adderall i don't know how it's gonna go and it's a very she's starting me on a very low dosage so i don't even know if i'll if anything will change for a while she even said like be prepared for like months of nothing until eventually we find the right dosage for you so got it playing the long game but i'm very excited because all i've wanted is either adderall or vivance because those are the two i've heard the most like ringing endorsements about yeah i was really hoping for vivance but the way she described it was that it's like the tesla and right now we're going to start at the honda civic and i was like okay okay that's fair that's fair so the goal is vivance one day i guess you're like work our way up to (laughs) self-driving yes exactly it's like you don't get the car that can fart on its own immediately um so anyway, that's why I drink. Yay. And you drink because I gave you a little heart you attack. scared me. And also because, so I have some actual wine here. So <gasps> real, real cheers. Clink. To, clink. Clink to that. Because I wanted to, so Christine was so sweet. And actually she gave me this like really great credit to First Leaf. So I got like this really great First Leaf like delivery. And I had all this great wine. And I wanted to do like a little cheers to her. And, my, and that's why we drink. Aww, that's the first time I've seen wine on this show in so long. I oh know. My, I figured I that was might like, be fun too. What's that purple drink in your cup? <laughs> well, I hope you're having a good time. Does it taste good? What type of wine is it? It is. It's really good. It's a Spanish. I, for, I don't really know how to say it, but Gren... Grenacha, Grenacha, and this oh. one's a really good. It like kind of reminded me of when Julia and I, my sister and I, were in Barcelona. So that was oh. like super fun. Uh, just shameless plug to First Leaf. Then, if you want to feel like you're in Barcelona, <laughs> a plug. Also, in terms of plugs, I have something for you too. That's like a what? fun. Remember, I told you I was gonna look up the uh, the company that Rachel got the bread candle from. <gasps> I asked her, yes. and then she just bought you a candle. So <gasps> I have a bread candle for you. <laughs> I love her. With every day, with every day, I fall more and more for your girlfriend. She, 
really just, I mean, okay, so, so here's sweet. another big thing, by the way, for everyone wondering more about my, my own love for uh, Eva's girlfriend, is <laughs> my favorite place, my favorite snack place in all of Los Angeles is called Donut Friend. I yes. will never eat another donut that is not from Donut oh, Friend. I wonder I now. I have been telling everyone I know since I moved to LA or if they're visiting, I'm like, you got to go to Donut Friend. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Best, it's like 90s uh, alt rock band themed, like all their stuff. They have like a Motion City s- soundtrack donut or some shit like that. Or like Taking Back Sunday, Ice Cream Sundays. Are you kidding yeah. me? Um, and apparently Eva's girlfriend named her dog after one of the donuts. Like, are you fucking yeah. kidding me? Are the you Nutella kidding me? The Nutella one. Nutella is her dog. Also shout God. out to her dog. She just survived quite an ordeal, but she's okay <laughs> now. But Nutella, yeah, was named after, act- I mean, obviously Nutella, the spread, but also specifically the Nutella donut, which I forget exactly what it's called. Again. Nutella vision. That's what it was. Nutella vision. Yeah. Yeah. It so cute. It blows my mind. Okay. So anyway, mm. go, go to donut friend. <laughs> um, also go to Barcelona and drink wine or something. Yeah. Also go and- to Berlin bag candle company for some big <sighs> bread action <laughs> i can't wait to smell that it's gonna be so good it's just products we love corner <laughs> um bread candles if you're listening please be one of our sponsors uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. explore new possibilities pleasure zones and find your vibe at funlove.com Funlove.com is a leading online retailer of sensual health and wellness products, offering a wide array of premier brands of toys, lingerie, and accessories. I know I've talked about it before, but we received the most lovely gift basket from Funlove. First of all, I didn't know what it was at first, and then when I pulled out a vibrator, I thought, oh boy, this is not your everyday fruit basket. There was everything, I'm telling you, from sexy perfumes, to toys, to vibrators, to lube. I mean, I gotta say, it's like a one-stop shop, okay? If you go to funlove.com and you're looking for maybe a romantic evening, either with a loved one or with yourself, they've got what you're looking for, I can promise you. So what are you waiting for? Explore, discover, indulge, and make love fun by visiting funlove.com. And if you live in Arizona or Colorado, check out one of their 18 store locations. Hey, maybe I'll stop by when I'm in town. And for a limited time, you can save 30% off your first order when you use the code DRINK at funlove.com. Head to funlove.com today and use code DRINK at checkout to save 30% off your first order. Visit funlove.com today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Okay, Eva, I have a story for you and... uh. Mm-hmm. True to true to Mercury being in the microwave, I <laughs> thought that I was going to have to be done with these notes by yesterday. I thought we were recording mm-hmm. yesterday. I stayed up all through the night, which is nobody's fault but my own. But at this point, like, and it's not even a surprise anymore. Like, I, yeah. I, people would be shocked if it was like, I clocked out at five. Like, so to no one's surprise, I stayed up all night being like, oh, I got to get these notes done on time so that way I can record. And then Eva was like, oh, we're recording tomorrow. And I was like, well, fuck. I just, no, so... that was a little bit my fault. I'm so sorry. No, but so the notes that I did, I ended up staying up even later because I found all of this information I 
Oh. Didn't ex- I thought it was going to be like a quick set of notes, and then I ended up finding all of this stuff. So this has become yes. a two-parter. Ooh. Um, so you will get the other half, everyone, including Eva, next week. So Yay. Oh, my gosh. This exciting. This is the story of the Glen Tavern Inn. A tavern as in a bar? As, as in-, in a bar. as And also like a man named Glen. Who, I mean... Love oh yes, the, Bar- the Barcelona wine thing. That's oh, what you and the my bar. tavern. <laughs> um, so for the Glen Tavern, and I had never heard of this. I actually Googled. Uh, I was having a little bit of a burnout moment where I couldn't think of a topic, and so I went to uh, Ghost Adventures episode list just to see if there was something oh. I hadn't tackled yet. And I literally closed my eyes and just like swirled my <laughs> finger around and landed on one, and it ended up being a great story so zach shout out love it um so fun fact about the Glen tavern Inn, it is on the national register of historic places and has been since the 80s mm. it is an official santa paula and ventura county landmark so it's in oh, california so it's close to us right ventura county we could we could do a little uh hop skip and a jump over there sometime if you wanted i'm and just saying i would love to do that Okay, and I'll make sure to clear out your side pocket in your car when you drive me. Thank you so much. (laughs) Because I would drive you, but you cannot get in my car. It's so disgusting. (laughs) Fun fact, again, I don't know if this is real because I only saw it in one article, but I'm hoping it's real because it makes it sound super cool. The hotel's motto is where the past comes to life. And I think it's because like, it's like a restored building from forever ago, but it very much like is on brand with the paranormal activity. Oh, I love that it like immediately has a motto too. It's like, listen, states get this. We're important enough. We get a motto too. (laughs) (laughs) I would love a motto, but I'd also be so scared of the motto someone would pick for me. (laughs) So allegedly up to 75%, if not more of the employees that have worked there have had a paranormal experience at some point. Oh, that's high. That's it's a, a big one. It's a big one. It's big enough that I feel like they should mention it in the interview. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know? Correct. Yes. So when it, the story starts in 1872, when Santa Paula was founded. 18 years later, in 1890, the Union Oil Company is founded here. Fun fact. Ooh. Uh, hmm. um, Ooh. So, oil. <laughs> oil. I love olive. That's my favorite one. Olive is the, okay. We love that kind of oil, not right. as much the oil you know that spills and environment and bad. We that's, love it. Is easily set ablaze. Uh, correct. We love a consumable oil that's like preferably I love you one, can dip some bread in. I love. I love a carbon enhancer. Um, a carbon enhancer. <laughs> so. Yes. In 1890, the Union Oil Company was founded in this area. So that's why it's important. Mm. So around the same time, I only saw this on one article, but I feel like it's like if the if the oil part is worth mentioning, then so is this. Yeah. But uh, around this time, not only was the oil company founded here, but one of the city's founders started growing oranges and like it became oh. the first orange crop of the area. Oh. So now they've got oil and oranges all in the same decade. And the town also, by the way, becomes the citrus capital of the world for a while. Ooh. I don't know what it is today. I assume Orlando for no reason at all. Um, I mean, it still is like one of the Disney locations, if not both, because right. like, isn't that in Soren over California? The like, they like spritz orange, orange spray at you when you're like flying over. 
Oh, I don't I know, but that so. sounds way fun. It's really Could nice. they do that with like fruit punch or something so I can catch it in my face? Red candle, <laughs> Red orange candle. candle. <laughs> uh, yeah, so in that decade, in the 1890s, oil became a huge industry and oranges became a huge industry in the area. Mm. When I think of oranges and oil together, by the way, I think of that one weird set of years where all of our moms were really into like Tuscany, Italy, and they all had that mm-hmm. those weird jars of oiled fruits. Yeah, we were talking about the Tuscan style at Christine's place, weren't we? Because there were a few things that were kind of like Tuscan. Oh, maybe. Like, you kind of nailed it, and we everyone was like, oh, yeah, that is that, like, Tuscan That's how you know house. Christine's a mom. All of a sudden, she's into <laughs> Tuscany. <laughs> oh, no, uh, she was trying to get rid of, I think, some of the Tuscan She like, was, she was. Looks. Yeah. She, she was showing us pictures of how the pole place used to look exactly like all of our homes did in the early 2000s. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, the two major industries, they came in at the same time, and that's what allowed Santa Paula to thrive at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, in 1911, so only like 15, 20 years later, Glen Tavern Inn, the building was constructed. And it was during a point in Santa Paula's history when it was super successful. Mm-hmm. Um, plus the land that the inn was on was right across the street from the train station. So there was a lot of foot traffic. If there was any tourism, it was coming right through there. Plus the two massive industries and employees were coming in on the train. So the town wanted a hotel there. And I guess there had already been a hotel before. Um, but then there was uh, a few years prior, there was the 1903 fire, which I guess burned Mm -hmm. down the original hotel and the boarding house in the area had just shut down. So... Uh, they needed a, they needed lodging. And also at the time, remember in the early 1900s, hotels were like the hip happening place to be mm-hmm. for like wealthy elite. And it was like a, mm-hmm. like the lounge downstairs was where everyone like always hung out. So it was a very, uh, it was meant for like high society. So they thought not only are we going to bring a bunch of other people in, but especially the wealthy folks. So interesting. Uh, at the hotel, uh, to have the hotel a board of trade directors decided to get local investors involved and uh, they helped fund the construction of the hotel. And I saw on one article that they only agreed to fund the hotel if they would get repaid a thousand dollars each afterwards, which feels like the opposite of funding a hotel. If you expect them to pay you next, I don't know if that's a normal business transaction. Yeah. I wonder if maybe that's like a pay back plan type thing? maybe like, like I, i'll in, i'll invest in you hoping mm-hmm. things turn out well and then you pay me i don't i'm not sure if that's a normal thing but i thought it was yeah. on so um the hotel seemed to from so this, it was officially built in 1911 and since then the hotel mm-hmm. seems to have been passed um between a bunch of different owners over the years and even during world war ii i guess the government leased it out and it became mm-hmm. lodging for female employees of the military oh interesting which i i don't totally understand that but i guess the government needed all their women in one spot (laughs) um sounds either nice or or questionable yeah yeah exactly i feel like something fruity happened there i feel like there was at least one or two <laughs> really funny stories, but like the whole military just called them friends, you know. Oh, sure, like, the abnormal from that trick or treat story. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or it could have been like a really good early version of like the real world of like just put <gasps> a bunch of women together, and I mean it could have been anyone. I, I would have also liked to see a room full of men, and you know, <laughs> very true. After the World War II lease, the government lease got uh, 
I guess they were going to have to repay it, but they gave it up. So it became a hotel again. Mm. And over time, the area went from an oil town and really like booming and successful to just being a small rural town. And the population of the tourism kind of died down. Mm. And so at this point, by the 1960s, the hotel is struggling. And by 1974, um, foreclosure proceedings are starting on it. Um, I don't know what thousand dollars they're paid too many thousand dollars back to the I know I also wonder how many local investors there were like did they owe three thousand dollars or like thirty thousand dollars like how many people did they owe back and like how long term was that investment like yeah were they still paying it back in the 70s or was it like just a couple payments you're totally I have no idea I don't know what happened in between the foreclosure proceedings in the 70s and all through the 80s but by 1989 one guy owned it who decided that he was going to turn it into a the a branch of a college in Tokyo, so like the Ooh. U.S. branch Got of it. a international college. Got it. At first, it was the whole building, but then by 1992, I guess he had some. There wasn't enough enrollment, so to keep the building open and the school itself open, he kept the third floor as the school and as the classes, but the second and first floors were back to being a hotel, which is so wild to me that like some students had to like go up three flights of a hotel to get to school. That, well, a version of that happened at Emerson when I, so I went to Emerson in, um, oh gosh, what even more the years I forget, 2004 to 2008. And they had one of the dorms. They were, I mean, they've since like rehauled every single one of the buildings, but at one point they were redoing uh, one of the dorm buildings and they didn't have enough dorms for everyone. So they like rented out just like for the year, a couple of semesters. I think it was two years, actually. It was like a long time. They rented out the uh, Radisson down the street. And so there were kids what? just like in Radisson's for like a Radisson hotel rooms for like an entire year. And according to Michael Scott, that's a really flashy place. So. I mean, listen, we know the Radisson is. <laughs> kind of a similar thing happened to us where it happened... The last year it happened at my college was my first year of college. So I was definitely like the last year to come in to remember this. But when we were expanding as a school, there were a lot of, um, I remember there was a few different storefronts that we literally had to go into the back of the building to have classes because they were just renting out a room of an office space. So I remember a bunch of people like had math class in an H&R block. Like it was, oh my which God. is like, I mean, kind of cool. fitting. Yeah. They were like, would you like to do some taxes while you're here? It, it would have made less sense if it was like learning a language or something. But yeah. uh, I remember that I, I lived above a uh, tropical smoothie when I oh, was in college. Love. And I remember, I think I've mentioned that before on here, but before all of them were apartments. They were additional businesses or something. So I, I, I kind of understand the like, you know, oh, you have to go into the back to get to your actual mm-hmm. school. Yeah. Actually, my all the way through until I graduated, one of my um, statistics classes was in a bank. Oh, also somewhat seems fitting. It also seems fitting. But if yeah. anyone is at CNU, uh, write in and let me know if they still do classes at the SunTrust building. So. <laughs> SunTrust, oh my gosh. I remember so I, my mom came to visit me and she was like, oh, like you have a building called the SunTrust? And I was like, no, girl, it's, like, <laughs> it's the one you know and love. <laughs> it's like, it's the one I'm going to help you get me an account at later. Um, so anyway, that was a long winded version to say that 
there was a school on the third floor for a while and it continued being a hotel. Got it. Um, and so eventually it was bought out again in 2004. And from 2004 to 2007, uh, the owners decided that they were going to restore it back to its old form from 1911. Mm. So now, today, it is a hotel, restaurant, lounge, event space. Ooh. By the way, it is super haunted, and which, like, duh, that's why I'm talking about it. But <laughs> it's so haunted that one of the things that they do at their event spaces is they host paranormal conferences. Oh, fun. So they lean into it. Like, I feel like that goes one oh. of two ways places. When 75% of your employees are dealing with something, I think you have to lean into it. Otherwise, you're yeah. just like, that's bad business. That's bad HR, right? It's, it's like hearing so those bad. complaints and being like, no, no, ghosts don't exist. If you deny it, I consider that 75% gaslighting. Yeah. Like, that's mm-hmm. it's like, mm, no. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so in 2008, it actually, for its restoration, the owners earned certificates of special recognition from the Senate, like the oh. U.S. Senate, the U.S. Congress, and the California State Assembly for oh my their God. restoration. So they did, like, a really good job. I guess so. Like, damn, can you imagine Congress emailing us being like, you deserve a certificate? <laughs> I'd be like, you're something, someone, I don't think the person in charge is emailing us. <laughs> I think someone went out on a lunch break and the intern is emailing us. It does feel like one of those things, like, I would love to know if, like, they submitted themselves for it or if they, like, knew it was a thing. Right. Or if, like, they, the government, like, came to them to be like, like was it a shock or job. did they beg for this? It's yeah. somewhere <laughs> in that range. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So this, uh, here's my favorite fun fact of the, the entire mm. notes, is that the Glen Tavern Inn has been featured in several books and documentaries about their ghosts, including CNN's Southern California's Best Kept Secrets, mm. The Dead Files, Ooh. and do you want to guess the third show I'm about to say? Oh my gosh. Uh, Vanderpump Rules. <laughs> it's as ridiculous as that. MTV's Teen Cribs. Okay. Teen Cribs? <laughs> teen I didn't cribs. even know that was a thing. There were only two seasons. I did everything okay. on earth to be able to find it online. <laughs> I know if you can find it, please go for it. It's season two, episode 19, and it's the second half because they, I guess, have two people show their cribs at a time. Two teens? It's, it's literally like MTV Cribs, but it was like, I think it's like teens of rich families. Like, oh. And they're like, check out my mansion. It's like, your, it's your parents' mansion, but okay. Oh um, or maybe, I mean, I couldn't watch it. I don't know what it's about, but it seems like it's people who either have like very bougie homes or at least unique homes and uh one of the daughters named i think her name was aisha or aisha Mm -hmm. at one point her family lived there and she was on mtv's teen crib season two oh my god lived in the now tavern yep wow i think it was like her family owned it so they at least were there all the time if not actually living in it got it yeah, fun fact, it was on Love. MTV's Teen Cribs. So. Listen, you get me with any reality show, and you know it. <laughs> Ugh, Eva, which, by the we have to talk about reality shows in a little bit, because there's a new season of Below Deck that we need to discuss. Oh, yes. Okay, yes. so um, the building was slash is 35 to 41 rooms. I got different numbers on different oh. sources, and I'm wondering if, like, at a different time it was 35 and now it's 41 or... I saw 36 at one point. So I don't really know what the number is, but it's between 35 and 41 rooms. It's definitely more than I thought. That seems like bigger than. Oh, I really? Was that's. Le- yeah. That's. I, I don't know why, but I think it was less than I thought. Hmm. Huh. 
Fun fact. Meeting in the middle. Meeting in the middle. <laughs> it is three stories. It said that at first it was originally two floors of a hotel with an attic. Hmm. And because the attic wasn't expected to be hotel rooms, it was, I guess, an open floor plan and there was nothing going on up there. So during Prohibition, the third floor's open, spacious landscape uh, let it very easily become a speakeasy slash gambling hall slash brothel. Oh my gosh, we love an open concept speakeasy. I literally <laughs> wrote open floor plan and I was trying to avoid it so maybe you could insert it yourself. You did. Listen, I didn't work at House Hunters for nothing. <laughs> Honestly, that's when we knew that we wanted you in our lives. And you're like, I worked on House Hunters. And I was like, um, you're coming home with me. Like, like you are definitely hired. I'm, you're definitely hired. And also, because it was on the third floor, it was a good view for cops. Like, to, or for um, authority. You could see down and see if anyone was coming. Oh. So you would have time to escape. Got it. As like a lookout spot. Yeah. Also around this time, the hotel was really popular because this was the era of Western films, and it was Ooh. in an area that had a lot of really easy settings to turn into Western films. Oh, cool. So not only is Prohibition a thing, um, where there's a bunch of, like, literal... Uh, there were literal cowboys coming in originally, now there's Prohibition, where there's, like, gangsters, and now there's also celebrities coming into this hotel. Wow. So it's got a big rep you know yeah quite a mix too of like lots swirling around lots of hip happening in that attic speaking well speaking of swirling my head's all over the place with that <laughs> sentence i was i loved what happened there but i i could never i could never remember verbatim what you just said i just enjoyed the energy that came from it i, I pulled it from a mad libs <laughs> <laughs> so um since so there were a bunch of western film actors coming in and so because this hotel was so popular film crews would rent out rooms for their cast and crew oh, while they were filming got it. so that includes several famous western actors mainly like john wayne but pretty much the whole run of them were there at some point clark gable was there rin tin tin the dog was there oh at one point. my gosh um, famous pup I think he was like the first, was he the first famous pup? In my mind, he is. I can't Ooh. think of a famous pup before him. I mean, no, I, I certainly can't. Old Yeller? I don't know. Um, a biblical dog that is unnamed yeah. and not real in my head. <laughs> it was actually Jesus's dog. His name was, <laughs> I don't know, Rover. It's all um, in the Da Vinci Code, the <laughs> apocryphal like <laughs> wife and dog of Jesus. <laughs> Uh, oh, and then not uh, just kind of like sidestepping the Western actors and Rin Tin Tin. Another famous person who stayed here, I guess, quite a bit was Houdini. So, oh my God, callback! Throwback. A little callback collaboration from when we did our Houdini episodes. Wow. Um, Houdini's room. This is also where I get very confused because I feel like in every source, the like the main haunted rooms are like three hundred seven, three hundred eight. And I feel like every time there was a fun fact about anyone that stayed there, they were like, oh, when they stayed at 307, they stayed at 308. It's now, apparently 308 is now known as the Houdini suite. But oh. but also, I don't know if that's true because there's like a bunch of other people who stayed there that are like have equally critical stories in this. Oh. I don't 
totally maybe one person really wanted it to be the Houdini suite and so they wrote that into the article but it's like not true um gotcha but the story went at least in that one source that it's called the Houdini suite because it's where Houdini liked to stay because he was insistent that he and his magic tricks would stay on the top floor so nobody could snoop around and find out about his magic tricks sure so like the attic is good for like illegal at the time uh-huh, like, yeah. easy stuff and also for Houdini secrets all sorts of trickery and mm-hmm. tomfoolery yeah and during the prohibition era um there were obviously a lot of undocumented shootouts and murders and crime and that also goes for this speakeasy that was in the hotel and the most popular story from the prohibition era was of a cowboy named calvin calvin um, you, you know him well, Cowboy Calvin. We all we all know one. So some say he was a cowboy. Others say he was actually part of, like, the Western film crews. And he was, like, a, one of the horse saddlers or one of the ranchers that was, like, basically one of the animal trainers on set before its time. Mm. Um, and so they don't know if he was a cowboy or just worked on the film crew. I think he was a cowboy. Most of the stories may seem like he was the cowboy. And maybe cowboy meant like cowboy, like they called him that as like, like he was the cowboy on the set. Yeah. Yeah, Like not the actor. (laughs) If he was the horse wrangler, I imagine he was definitely of all the people on the set, the cowboy, Mm -hmm. except for like the actor pretending to be a cowboy. Right. But anyway, so they've tried to find records of what his situation was, but there's no real evidence and they're not even totally sure this is a real story. This has just been lore that's been passed down from each owner So we think it's real, but no real solid proof of it. But the story goes that Calvin was playing cards on the third floor in the gambling hall and he got caught cheating. And I I don't know if it was actually on the third floor upstairs in the gambling hall or if he later went back to his room, but he really pissed someone off when they caught him cheating and he got shot. And he was found with a bullet to the head, or the story goes that he got shot in the head. Um, But so that's like the most popular death to have happened on this site. Got it. The lore continues because years later when they were doing some renovations in, I think, the kitchen, they found a crawl space or a hole in the kitchen and a cowboy hat with a bullet hole in bloodstains. (gasps) allegedly was in there oh my god whoa so it's almost like like was his body there did they only stash the hat like where'd the rest of him go and why didn't they just bury the hat with him why did they see this one hole in the wall and they were like this is exactly where this needs to be it's like just setting it on fire (laughs) or like patching it up and using it again recycling i don't know oh my god they were like we for sure want a ghost here but we don't want the bones so like we're just gonna put the hat in a wall right exactly yeah i have no idea it makes zero sense why yeah i feel like you'd at least want the evidence not in the hotel anymore but whatever for sure yeah and like even i mean obviously at that time who knows what like I don't know what police work know. was like then, but it seems like someone should have been like, hi, this like piece of evidence. Yeah. yeah should, don't yeah, bury yeah. it in your wall. Maybe that's why they buried <laughs> it in the wall. Maybe it had like extra like. Oh, maybe. Tracked something, but. Or maybe they were like, it's like hidden in plain sight sort of thing. Mm. I don't know. Maybe it was in his will. Maybe he was like, bury my hat in the walls of this bar. Yes. I'm sure the man who committed cold-blooded murder respected his will. <laughs> <laughs> 
anyway, there's many believe that this is proof that Calvin was killed on the property. Mm-hmm. And apparently if this had existed, I think it did. All the sources were acting like this hat is like the, the real deal. And nobody had questions about it except you and me, I guess. Um, <laughs> But I guess they actually used to have the hat on display in the hotel, and then eventually it went missing. So some people <gasps> say it was, like, the ghost took his hat back, and other people say that someone just stole the fucking hat. So Okay, I was actually just going to ask about it being on display. Yeah. So that's really wild. They did have it on display. Wow. Apparently so. Apparently so. So some say that the place isn't haunted and that the ghosts were... Before I talk about more of the ghosts, I just want to say some people say that this place isn't actually haunted and that the ghost of Calvin and, like, the speakeasy brothel gambling hall thing was actually just a promotional idea in the 80s because (gasps) they knew that the hotel was tanking. Hmm. And so to, like, boost interest, uh, they just said it was haunted. Mm-hmm. Um, also some say that the speakeasy wouldn't have even been on the top floor. So the whole speakeasy storyline doesn't make sense because huh. anyone, anyone who knows anything about speakeasies apparently knows that they would never be on the top floor because there's no easy escape route. Uh, unless they had like, I would some... think like a window or a ladder. Like, yeah. I feel like you could just get on the roof and hop to another building or something. I don't, I'm imagining Spider-Man's at the speakeasy. <laughs> but... They're all Marvel <laughs> characters at this bar. <laughs> but I I feel like that's not a really solid argument, but that's the main one of like, well, a speakeasy would never huh. be on the top floor. But then in my mind, a speakeasy should never be like underground in a basement. That's certainly yeah. less escape routes. No, I was just going to say that because like, I feel like the same level of like, oh, this like underground basement bar has like tunnels out. I feel like also in a lot of old houses they have those like you know like even like servants quarters on the side you know with like yeah. the staircases on the side that go down like I, feel like I feel like that's not a great argument I feel like there could have totally yeah. been I think a speakeasy was just trying to fit wherever it could so like oh, exactly yeah take up and especially if it has good lookout like you know yeah like, nowhere underneath. there's definitely that's a great argument of like oh you can see down and if anyone's coming into the building mm-hmm. yeah At the same time, people also said that this place probably doesn't have, like, the speakeasy gambling history because Santa Paula at that time was becoming really rural and they would have been, like, too moral for sinister activity. And I'm like, okay, relax. I feel like it would have been more, like, the more moral something or some area gets, usually it doesn't swing the opposite, that, like, people need more of an outlet. Let's take the pillar to killer example away from (laughs) a person situation and a place situation. Like, Mm -hmm. you never expect the kind, sweet man. Like, maybe you never expect the kind, sweet town. But, like... There, there could be a speakeasy right upstairs. Who knows? Listen, yeah. So it wasn't, that's not like a solid argument to me, but a lot of people do say like, oh, the ghosts aren't real. And it's just like, it was marketing for the hotel to stay up. Got it. Fine, whatever. But also there's a lot of people out there who are saying this thing's haunted. Love which it. is, so I'm just obviously biased, but I think none of the arguments are solid. Um, they, others say it's def- definitely haunted because I guess If they've done any research on ley lines, apparently a lot of them intersect or the town's ley lines intersect under the hotel, um, which I know nothing about that. I'm just taking Mm -hmm. someone else's words, but that's a really cool theory. Um, They also say that if the place is haunted, room 307 is the most haunted in the hotel. And I guess the surrounding rooms on the third floor are pretty haunted, too. Mm. Um, And Calvin is the spirit most seen here. Um, apparently he is seen in a white shirt and a Western jacket. 
and he has long hair, a beard or a goatee, some sort of facial hair, and he smells like cigars sometimes. Um, he's seen the lobby and in the first floor women's bathroom. Yikes, Calvin. Oh, Calvin. And, uh, he is seen in pictures as well as walking through walls and fading away. And one psychic even said he was a Buffalo Bill lookalike. Oh. Or could have been a Buffalo Bill lookalike. Huh. There is another ghost here that's really, really popular named Rose, who Mm. worked in the brothel during that time. Um, so she was a sex worker, uh, that apparently was, I, I guess, also in room 307. This is what I'm saying. Huh. They're all overlapping in the same rooms, and it feels a little too easy that we're just, like, throwing everything at 307 or 308. Got it. Got it. Like, how convenient that everything is happening in these rooms. Maybe the people checking in, people were like, mm, you seem like drama. You'd be a good ghost. <laughs> Let me put you in 307. <laughs> or maybe all the people who are, like, really troublesome, they're like, enough shit has happened in these rooms. Like, if uh-huh. I do something bad, it'll just be another rumor versus, like, really yeah. landing somewhere. That's a good point. But so Rose uh, had a client uh, in room 307 who apparently beheaded her. (gasps) Beheaded Rose? Yeah. Oh, no. And left her in the closet to be found (gasps) without her head. Without? Oh, my God. I obviously started this by saying I got this information from Ghost Adventures, and thus we know what I will eventually be talking about in this episode. I will say in the episode of Ghost Adventures, if you are not into graphic shit, like, Cover your eyes, because they really did a visual number on oh. reenacting Rose's death. Oh, reenacting. Like, they they don't show her actually like a person being beheaded, but okay. they um they show pictures that had because this is all a rumor, so the pictures had to be fake, but I they were done so well. Part of me thought these were like real crime scene photos. Oh God. So um, it's just, if you, if that's like not your thing, I like Zach even gave a warning, which like, if you have to give a warning about reenacted pictures, like you did it too well, like take a step back. You also, know? I feel like if Zach of all people is giving a warning, like a graphic yes. warning, then it's like, oh, oh, okay. I'm, he like, literally I'm said, like, hide your eyes. And, and my, I went like, okay, Zach. And then I went, oh my God, I should have hidden my eyes. Oh, okay. We, yep, that was the one. Uh, yeah, right. Because it's so hard to know if he's being dramatic or if it's like, it's like the real thing. Okay. So anyway, so the story goes that she was beheaded in the closet of 307. Yikes. Um, she's shown herself to people as a full bodied apparition. She's also shown herself as a white mist. People have heard knocking inside the closet. Oh, my God. Um, oh, that's so sad. I wonder if the... This is sad. Maybe I shouldn't say this. Is the miss because she doesn't have her head? Like, she mm. couldn't, like, fully materialize to, like, a Maybe. Full... Maybe. But then that makes me wonder about the times where she's a full-bodied apparition. Maybe remembering... I don't know. ...before? Whatever it is, it's disturbing. Oh, that I don't is like so it. disturbing. No, that's so sad. Rose also allegedly mm. likes to open and close doors. She's the reason that the phone will apparently ring off the hook for no reason. Like, nobody's on the other end. Oh, wow. According to one investigator, Heather Woodward, who we're going to talk about a lot next week, I think, she said she saw Rose, who has short, dark hair and olive skin. Heather said that she believes that there's also a perfume saleswoman who died here. Oh. And you can smell... Her floral perfume through the halls. Oh. 
this speaking of this perfume saleswoman i guess heather also does automatic writing which if you don't know what that is it's like kind of going into like this trance and not moving either moving your hand in spirals or some sort of um repetitive motion and then just kind of letting the guides it's almost like you're the ouija planchette if that Mm -hmm. makes sense like all of a sudden like you'll just kind of start writing things without knowing what you're writing and uh, which like by the way really freaks me out like just the idea of it has always really freaked me out like i i don't know enough about it so i'm still like super uh i guess hesitant to believe that it is real but then again Mm. everything else has like the potential to be real or not real so i'm open-minded to it i just don't understand it and i think that's what freaks me out because if it's real like that's crazy yeah right it's that like unknown version of it like love but and then it's like in someone's body that they maybe don't know about it's like yeah creepy it it's just bizarre it's just Mm -hmm. it's so wild so while during automatic writing heather was talking i think to the perfume saleswoman and these are the words Mm -hmm. she got sex mistress lover tall dark handsome mustache killed bled to death wait that's like a whole that's like a sentence that's like a i want to snap to it like it's poetry like that's (laughs) but it's like everyone was its own statement of sex mistress lover tall dark handsome mustache killed blood to death which like yikes and like i mean i can't imagine thinking like i'm gonna go into an automatic writing session and we'll just see what happens and you get those string of words right that like paints a full picture of a full story like that's a full like arc that has a beginning middle and end it really does it told me everything i feel like i learned a whole situation there oh my god there are also several accounts of children ghosts in the hotel i don't know if it's one child or multiple children but it seems like it's multiple um but that all know each other they know know each other other. for some reason that makes me hate it more (laughs) i'm like they're gonna gang up on us (laughs) they all like play together i guess Mm -hmm. you know what freaks me out is that there have been sometimes i think this actually happened in the ghost adventures episode where um one of the ghosts answered for another about its own history so Mm. it's like the ghosts know of each other's stories even though they didn't die together so like i've seen i've seen cases of like a, a ghost that died in one century is answering questions about a ghost that died in a different century. So it's like, oh, you are like cognizant of each other and wow. like you know each other's stories to and be able to little, answer. Like gossip sessions. They're like, how did you know? How did you get here? And that's how I hope it goes because when I die, I'm not about to like not ask everybody like, uh-huh. what's your deal? Like, what, how did we all get here? But I wonder if it's actually a gossip session or if like they just all become like, omnipresent <gasps> all-knowing beings I, I don't know it's all odd it's uh-huh. something we could i feel like if i were a little stoned i could talk about it for the rest of the time um <laughs> <laughs> so several accounts of children in the hotel many people say that they hear children laughing and running up and down the halls and up and down the staircase and knocking on doors there have been oh. a lot of cases of people hearing little kids knocking on the door and giggling and then they open the door and no one's there no. or or calling down to the front desk and being like whose kids are here because they are running up and down the halls and we can't sleep and then they're the only people that were booked on that floor oh. there's one little girl people have seen literally walking into walls or they've heard her giggling oh, no. when they see her she vanishes during a wedding kids were apparently seen 
in pictures of the ceremony <gasps> that weren't invited. Oh my god. Can you imagine getting your wedding pictures back and being like, oh my god, they're gonna be so beautiful, and then like a fucking ghost is in the middle of your <laughs> like feel... professional portrait. And like, I hope it's the ghost having a blast, because if I got uh-huh. a ghost just like standing there with like dead eyes, like staring into the camera, I'd be like, this is something no one's even gonna believe me about. <laughs> like, I can't even... I can't even bond with anyone in this trauma. I just have to know it happened. You didn't even go to the speakeasy I put in the attic. I know. Like, I would like to think if I'm throwing a party and a ghost is there, the ghost is... Like, if I get a picture of a ghost, she's going to look like she's throwing the fuck down. Like, she's dancing like she's Snooky at Jersey Shore, you know? If I just got a ghost not partying, I'd be offended. I'd be like, oh my god, they don't even like my party. That's crazy. Oh my gosh, Snooky as a ghost. I would also like a reality star ghost at some <laughs> point because that seems less threatening and also very fun. I Were you part of the Jersey Shore generation? Because that was I, definitely my scene. No, I wasn't really, but I'm just like transplanting that into my love of love well, of all the oh, terrible things that I watch. <laughs> well, but I was good. I think Jersey Shore was the first real reality show I was invested in and mm. uh to this day, there's still like a kind of a TikTok trend where people will um, uh, impersonate each of the Jersey Shore people because they each mm. somehow they each had such a specific dance that they would all do oh. on uh, when they would go out to the club together. Like one of them was like known to dance a certain way. One of them was danced to known a different way. So there's like this trend that like everyone's dancing like all the people from Jersey Shore. <laughs> I want to see if I ever got a picture of a ghost at my wedding. They better be dancing like at least... <laughs> One of the Jersey Shore cast. Like, that's Listen, how you know they'd have a good time. They better be imitating a TikTok. Otherwise, or redo it, like, redoing a TikTok. They will be happy that you have haunted them. I think this is, oh, yeah, this is still the children. In room 204, a couple apparently saw a little girl in pajamas walk into their bedroom and then just vanish. Mm. I don't know if she just vanished before their very eyes or if she was, like, hiding under the bed and then they looked again and she was gone. I don't know how creepy it is. But I guess they thought that she was part of a family that had booked out a bunch of rooms at the hotel because there was like a quinceanera or something. Gotcha. And so I guess they thought one of those girls had wandered into their room looking for her family. And by the time they called the front desk, she was just gone. Gotcha. In room 104, people's ankles get pulled, um, beds move, apparently the lamps turn on and off by themselves, the sink runs by itself. No. And you can hear a woman giving a toast. Okay, I have mixed feelings about that. It sounds like it could go really well. Like maybe she's just like the ultra hype woman, like giving you a toast to like brushing your teeth in the hotel. Like we love dental care. I don't know. We love dental care. I don't know. (laughs) I would like to think if there's a ghost giving a toast and I have to listen to it, it better be about me. (laughs) Put me on that docket. (laughs) I don't want to hear you talk about someone I don't even know all night long. It's so annoying. It could go a ton of different ways because I feel like toasts go a ton of different ways, right? They're either like kind of boring or they really nail it or they're like the the back and forth toasts of bridesmaids where they're just like passive aggressively (laughs) trying to one up each other. (laughs) Actually, wait, put the, maybe they're from the same place, the girl who's giving a toast and the girl who's like (gasps) going to parties at Uh weddings. uh uh Maybe it's the same. Now someone has to play like that song. Someday somebody's going to make you Yep. Yep. I would like to see my ghost get down to that song, actually, and now that if, we're making wishes. Correct. And to pull it full circle back to reality shows, if that toast ghost can also be spilling some tea about the party ghost Wait, in oh, the toast. God. Eva, we need to We relax. just get it all. It's getting a little... <laughs> it's too fast. I, 
I can't. No, it's perfectly far. I, for me, I don't know whatever, where everyone else is. Um, so there's also a ghost. Hey, this person could also be at the wedding. There's a ghost that likes to play piano in the bar. Well, fun. Um, sound like didn't Billy Joel write about him or something? The piano oh, barman. Oh, I don't, um, oh yeah, 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 yeah. So the piano man is there. And uh, allegedly, this is one of the guests who actually passed away either in the hotel or he passed away but loved the hotel and he loved playing piano there. So they still hear him playing piano at night. Oh, I like that for the ghost. Like, I feel like that's a nice afterlife to just like play piano in a bar. That yeah. Seems chill. I also wonder, does he actually need the physical piano or if they were to move it one day, would you still hear piano in the, in the house? Or if his hat is buried under the piano. <laughs> Wait, it could, honestly, they should just tear up every wall and see how many hats are back there. Um, another ghost is Harvey Van Norman, who was the Ooh. assistant to William Mulholland, which if you live oh. in L.A., you know that William Mulholland is the namesake of Mulholland Drive, a.k.a. one of the worst fucking drives ever. It's one of those mm-hmm. windy ass roads that is always backed up. Um, yeah. I think they they tell you it's a beautiful drive, like maybe at midnight, but like, <laughs> I have only ever gotten stuck in horrible traffic there. Yeah, my dad was really adamant that when we when he my family visited back in August that he wanted to drive Mulholland, and I was like, okay, here's the snippet of Mulholland that I'm willing to do. <laughs> it was like just like a couple miles, and we stopped. I imagine, at some, like, yeah, I imagine it's like when people go to San Francisco and they're like, I want to go down Lombard Street, and it's like. No, you don't. <laughs> no, you do not. But except instead of Lombard Street being like a couple, like not that long of a drive, Mulholland literally goes around like an entire fucking mountain. Like you're oh. stuck. Once you decide you're taking Mulholland yeah. Drive, get ready. You're there forever. <laughs> yeah. It's like I when we looked it up, it's like, I mean, I don't want to give the wrong number, but it was like so long. And that's why I was like, okay, I will go between Laurel and Coldwater because you, those are like Ugh. up downs. Like. I was going to say Coldwater is even fucking worse. I hate Coldwater. Oh, Coldwater. Su- Coldwater yeah. Canyon, I cannot stand. Uh, <laughs> this is LA Complaints Corner. <laughs> this is LA. If I ever have to like meet up with somebody and the only thing in between us is Mulholland Drive or Coldwater Canyon, I'm not going. <laughs> I feel like I'll see you in some other Goodbye. Yeah, so one of the ghosts is Harvey Van Norman, who was the assistant to William Mulholland. And apparently he's been seen at the lobby fireplace wearing a vintage brown suit with a coat and hat. And he has literally spoken to people and, like, sat down and had coffee with them. Oh, cute. Is that, like, not bananas, though? Like, that's the ghost story you're always hoping happens, is that a a, a posh gentleman will just <laughs> share a cup of tea and then go away. Like, Yeah, also, if I'm going to get haunted, I would like to not know during the haunting that I was haunted and then afterwards yeah. be like, oh, that was fun in hindsight. That's <laughs> exactly it. He apparently later people would say like oh where's the man we were talking to uh, and they'd be like oh that's that's harvey oh that's, <laughs> that's harvey, harvey. he um, built a really long road we don't want to drive <laughs> well so what's interesting about harvey being the assistant to william mulholland is william mulholland himself has a history with the hotel so it's interesting that his assistant oh. shows up there because william mulholland there i didn't know this but apparently he was uh responsible for like a massive flood disaster. It's called like the dam disaster, St. Francis dam disaster. And like in the area alone, I think like 500 people died. (gasps) Oh my God. um, Because I don't know how he was responsible for it. I guess he was in charge of the materials that were cheap or something. And it caused the dam to break. Um, But so apparently the hotel itself 
when everything was coming through the town and destroying the town and killing all these people, the hotel itself was like a a disaster emergency space for people to like go seek refuge. Oh my god! So it's interesting that his assistant is seen there often. Yeah, maybe he was there for like damage control or some shit. I don't know. Yeah, that also makes me wonder too that like I mean, Maholland is such a windy twisty dangerous road itself i wonder if that has like a paranormal history too just from all of the i'm sure it does i'm sure it does it's such a dangerous road yeah so yeah so people see him and then they're like oh that's harvey other ghosts have been women who are a woman is seen on the first floor walking through the walls a lot of people are walking through walls um another ghost has been seen taking care of someone in bed as if they saw like a replay of her taking care of somebody one guest's makeup kit was thrown at the wall like really, really violently. <laughs> um, people will hear whispering at night. They'll hear their name being called to them, which I hate. Yeah, um, I hate. No, that's too personal. Too personal. Espe- uh, unless you're the toast girl, then you can say my name all you want. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, things get knocked off of dressers. Guest items would get stolen. Um, super creepy. Rooms would be deadbolted from the inside and no one was in there. So someone was locking people out of the room. Yuck. That's also kind of a fun prank, but also yuck. Also yuck. <laughs> um, people feel someone watching them or walking behind them and then they turn around and no one's there. Mm-mm. They'll think see things from the corner of their eye. People feel like they're being pulled out of their beds at night. Oh, I um, hate that. And the curtains move on their own. Oh, No. A lot of employees uh, would work upstairs only in pairs, like would do the buddy system because they were so scared of the third floor. Yeah. And a previous owner one time was sitting on the toilet. This is the worst time to ever have a ghost experience. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Was sitting on the toilet and watched the doorknob move. <gasps> and then the doorknob fell out of its hole. And then she got, and she was locked inside the bathroom for 30 minutes. Goodbye. No, thank you. I mean, no. 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 I always, I mean, and I actually, yeah, always, um, every time I'm on the toilet, which by the way is pretty darn often, (laughs) at least once in every session, I'm like, what if a ghost came right now? Really? Yes. It's a huge fear of mine because I'm like, what do I do? (laughs) Do you have a plan? If you've thought about it this much, do you have a contingency bathroom haunting plan? I have thought many times about how ill-prepared I am. <laughs> um, like, that's my pro- that's the situation. Because also, I, I think it stemmed from, like, real house issues. Where, like, what if you're on the toilet and, like, a fire happens? Or, like, what oh. if you're on the toilet and, like, someone breaks in? Like, like I, I've thought about that stuff. And then I'm like, what if a ghost, like, just, like, the, I don't know, swung the door open? I don't know. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I like have... how, in that case, the worst scenario is it swung the door open. But I mean, she did get, it sounds like the manager, right? She get, did get trapped in the bathroom. So, like, that's not fun either. That's I Yeah, but at least, you're if you're trapped in a bathroom, at least you're trapped in the one spot with a toilet, you know? That is true. The that's worst really thing is what if you're trapped in a bathroom and you really got to go and there's no toilet paper? Oh, yeah. Or that's if, like, a nightmare. The plumbing is haunted, too. Like, that's kind of a nightmare if you're in there with... No, nothing is scarier than, <laughs> than the water pressure not being good. The water pressure! <laughs> no, there's nothing more terrifying, especially on a family trip. Good night. Okay. And good luck. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, chairs and items in the restaurant will move on their own and fly across the room. Apparently, people hear scratching on the walls. Oh. Um, 
There have been impressions on the bed as if someone's sitting down. People have woken up to feeling like they're being strangled in the middle of the night. Oh, I don't like that. No. One employee saw a woman in a vintage dress and no shoes on the third floor where nobody was staying and it looked like she was floating. Ooh, that's creepy. Oh my gosh. There's also a spirit named Helen, who's apparently in her 30s, who wears a dress with flowers on it. Very fashionable, Helen. Oh, Helen. And then there's a woman uh, who is known to look out the window of the hotel and another will knock things over into your lap in the lobby. So there's like (laughs) quotes of people just sitting on a lobby, on the lobby couch. And all of a sudden, like the lamp will start like scooting over and then just go (gasps) boop and just like fall into their lap. So a cat ghost. (laughs) It feels like a cat ghost or it feels like at least a very precious attempt for attention of like, hello nope. yeah like, like a kid or something being like do you notice do you notice now do you notice now that feels silly i like mm-hmm. i'm okay with that one that felt silly yeah people yeah. feel things brush by them when no one's around like someone walked into them mm-hmm. um some people will see shadow figures at the foot of their bed no thanks um mm-hmm. apparently other people have had sleep paralysis Ugh. one guy said here it's super creepy one guy said that he's convinced it gave him nightmares of run-ins with doppelgangers of himself (gasps) trying to hurt himself oh oh god there was like there was like a a nightmare where like a a guy in a hood or a cloak or something (gasps) came at him and when he pulled the hood off it was himself and oh god that's really intense that's like something you see as like like a twist and like a, I was thinking about the Star Wars where Rey sees herself in the like mirrors all the way down. <laughs> but it's like that's like so dramatic. You see it at like the climax of like a franchise blockbuster, not like in your I own know. dreams. Yikes. Unless you're like, I don't know, George Lucas and you can like just envision that shit for yourself. <laughs> Unless you already have like the three story arc like <laughs> set in your brain. <laughs> There's another spirit of a woman with one eye who apparently guests oh. have witnessed getting murdered on repeat. <gasps> oh my god. That one is the most insane to me. Oh I don't no. like I don't know if the one eye if she was just like a woman with one eye or like if like they see her getting murdered and part of it leads to her having one eye. Oh. I'm not sure about that, but they say that they have seen her uh, residual haunting of her getting murdered. Oh, that's so awful. Also, I'm um, sorry. I react. I feel like I reacted poorly to the one eye part, but I because we talked about Avril monsters so much. I think I was picturing. Uh-huh. No, the I totally. I Avril monsters I, in real life that you just sent me. <laughs> <laughs> the real thing would have been holding the one eye in the hand uh-huh, in, uh-huh. in massive blue lips and completely naked. That yes, would have. Yes. That's the real scare there. Yeah. Yeah. Um. There's some EVPs uh, that people have caught. One of them saying, Emily, I love you, which is so sweet. Oh, that is sweet. Another saying, please help. <gasps> so Not, sweet. Mm-mm, no. Um, there, and then after please help, it was followed by sounds of splashing in the bathroom. Oh, no. Like, yeah. Oh, I, no. I am assuming that means like a drowning or something. Ooh. Right before a bunch of uh, ghost equipment machines went off for no reason, the ovulus said disaster. (gasps) Oh, God. And then one time when asking the ghost to turn off the lights, a child's voice got caught on a recorder saying, I won't make it do that. (gasps) Oh, I, I, oh, gosh. The ones that are like in between, like someone being like, no, that sounds like too much and it's already scary. It's like, (sighs) oh, what else is happening that I don't know about? This one is weird, but I'm going to say it anyway. Another EVP was found in the, allegedly, Houdini suite. Uh Uh, And the EVP was, I need milk, which apparently 
people equate that to one of Houdini's big escape tricks was the milk can escape trick. Oh. Which was one of Houdini's favorite tricks he ever did. So I think they hear I need milk and assume it's like, oh, like his, if he kept all of his magic tricks up here, maybe he needed milk to practice his trick. Gotcha. Yeah. Or it could be like a little kid ghost who needs milk, you know, who knows. Or someone that just wanted to fortify their bones. Someone who wanted some moo juice, you know. (laughs) Oh, God. So if Christine were here, she would hang up on me. Um, I can so, do it by proxy. <laughs> I didn't like it either. <laughs> so weirdly, some people have also experienced trance-like sleepiness and slept through all of their alarms. Um, and some after that even wake up to figures in the room. Mm, that's like a double whammy. It's like, sorry, you don't get to wake up for the thing you're here for. And also, yeah. you're going to be terrified. So there was one guy and his girlfriend who stayed in room 307, which is apparently the most haunted. And even though it was super early, they like fell asleep for no reason. They planned on being there all night awake, ghost hunting, but they couldn't keep their eyes open. They're like, let's just take a one hour nap. And so they closed their eyes and they woke up without any alarms or anything, both at the same time at 3 a.m. sharp. No. No. And when trying to get back to sleep, his girlfriend said that she couldn't because, quote, there is someone looking at me. I like that they were there specifically to ghost hunt, but then they were like, forget it. We're just going to sleep. This is not great. It li- like It's like something like shut that shit down. It was like, you're going to go to bed. Yeah, don't look at us. We're going to look at you. Ugh, I hate that. So mm-hmm. the same couple left a recorder on when they went to dinner earlier that night just to see if they got anything in the room. And they heard a door creaking. They got a woman gasping and they heard a loud bang like something hit the recorder. Ooh. The scariest part of all of this, by the way, this was a Reddit post and this user's name was Cheeseburger Cat. Love it. Love it so much. Cheeseburger Cat, at the very beginning of his post, says, there is no elevator, just one giant staircase. So that's how I would have immediately never gone here. Uh Um, But just so everyone else knows, the scariest part of it all to me is that. (laughs) So next up, I just wanted to do the... I wanted to tell you about the TV shows I watched. Obviously, I tried to watch Teen Cribs and give everyone the 411 on that, but it's not going to happen. Instead, mm. I'll tell you really quickly about Dead Files, which was season mm. four, episode seven. And the psychic Amy did catch on to a surprise to surprisingly a lot of things, but definitely sensed a darker presence than anything I had heard or seen of online Mm. um she said the guy was in all black walking up and down the hallways he doesn't like women he had apparently told her that he has quote dealt with women like her before oh wow yikes he hate that apparently very physical and likes messing with people um Mm. he knows how to induce fear and he doesn't like when people are in his room which is 308 and he tries to make the room very weird and disturbing so they'll leave oh my god this really ratcheted up i feel like a lot of things up until could be like were like very creepy but this is like but you can't really it's like the kind of ghost it's like was that malicious was that just because you're a ghost and you don't know this one is like no i'm a ghost and i hate you and i'm gonna do everything i can to fuck with you well so interesting too is that they gave a lot more information on the history of the building than what i had seen anywhere else so apparently there was um a cowboy who shot his wife's lover like only a half a block away so they think maybe he's one of the people that has uh, been haunting the area there's also a story of a woman who 
I guess was a manager of the hotel. And in the middle of the night, she got stabbed by one of the guests. Nice. Um, and then also the family that was living there at the time, which I think was teen girl, teen cribs girl, mm-hmm. MTV team cribs. Her family was there at the time that they filmed dead files. So oh. it was her parents that were running the hotel at, in this moment. And the mom had like this weird possession esque <gasps> possession adjacent attachment Ooh. You know how like a lot of before possessions, they're like obsessed with the house and they can't leave the house. And when they leave the house, their behavior is back to normal. But Mm -hmm. when they go back to the house, it's like has this weird hold on them. She said she said that her mom was dealing with that and the whole family was like, let's get the fuck out of here. Like none of us feel safe there. I think their housekeepers were getting grabbed or something. I don't remember what it was, but they were like, we don't want to be here anymore. And she I think the girl from Teen Cribs even said, sometimes I feel like my mom loves the house more than us. <gasps> oh, so there was so sad. And there was weird. like a weird, a weird hold on some of the family. So yeah. it implies some sort of uh, a disregarding the potential of like, maybe just some like mental health issues. If it's paranormal, it's, uh, it feels a little like a possession situation. Yeah. Pre-possession. Yikes. Um, and maybe not even mental health issues, but like maybe the mom was just going through something. Who knows what this? But if it's right. paranormal, if it's paranormal, it was. It feels a little demonic. Mm-hmm. So in Ghost Adventures, um, that was season seven, episode seventeen. Shout out to Christine's Discovery Plus account. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, cheers, uh, cheers. <laughs> and Zach is talking to the new general manager named Monica. So I guess the family eventually did convince the mom to leave and now it's in this woman monica's hands got it or was but when this ghost adventures episode was being filmed mm. so the first week that she moved in i guess the general manager's room is 106 and when she was moving into her room she was um reaching for papers or something and she saw someone walk past her so she turned and it was a woman standing there staring at her and then disappeared into the wall. Mm. Like, that's your welcome into this job. Like, that's Hi. your job. Hi, like, just saying hello. Hashtag above my pay grade. Like, uh-huh. i <laughs> not here for it. By the way, shout out to this episode. It was a super good episode if you're looking for, like, creep factor. Um, but just to give you some, like, highlights... I guess Billy didn't go on the walkthrough with them, so they asked if he would stay in the hotel a night by himself without knowing anything, even though the rest of the group had found out stuff. So he went by himself. Ten minutes in, he turns on the Ovulus, um, the Microsoft SAM machine, and Mm -hmm. it got these words all in an order. Before, spell, soil, friendly, cards, and then three minutes later it said goodbye, Oracle. Oh, oh. And it's weird. Yeah. So they uh, they used the they used these words and kind of assumed I mean it was Zach plus TV plus the best guesswork they could do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they assumed that the ovulus was talking about things that were going to happen the next night. Oh. Um, Cuz I guess all of the words were able to kind of fit into events that happened the next night when they did their investigation. Oh, interesting. Especially goodbye oracle, they brought like the like a psychic that came and so it was and all of it kind of made sense under that guise, although mm-hmm. I am very aware of the potential inaccuracy or the lack of realism there. Sure. Um I guess orbs flew into Billy's face while he was sleeping and even though usually I'd be like okay, yeah, 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 orbs whatever. 
they apparently landed on his face and in that exact moment he also wakes up from sleeping and decides to turn on the obulus and this i guess was the room where um sex workers would do their services gotcha and uh so he felt something on his face, which was caught on camera via orbs, mm. turns on the ovulus, and he immediately gets the words blow and gentle. And so he oh. thinks it might be a sex worker. He immediately feels something grab his thigh or his thigh spasms. And then the oracle says, thigh. Oh, my gosh. Uh, okay. So I'm sorry. That- I said I oracle the ovulus says thigh. Got it. No, no. I, yeah, I understand. Which is super creepy because like. And Ovulus, it's not programmed. It just says, it's like there's no, of all the words that it's programmed to say, that's for it to come in as that word. Mm-hmm. And in that exact moment when you can't time responses, yeah. it came in at the exact time where he like looked at the camera and said something's touching my thigh and the word thigh showed up. Yeah, that's really so. creepy and timed, like specifically. Yeah. yeah. Then he says, did you touch my thigh? And the ovulus says, right. Oh. In, which I think means like correct. Or was it his right thigh? I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. So uh, later the next night during investigations, they all hear a little girl whistling upstairs. Ooh. The housekeeper's pants got tugged on. Ugh. They also hear the same little girl humming later and then her voice upstairs singing. And during all of this, the ovulus says, girl. Ugh creepo yeah no so then they use the spirit box the thing that goes oh god i already hate that because it's so scary already it's so jarring yeah. and so they say what's your name and the spirit box says ingrid oh my god so like had a real a real name intelligent ready. response wow and then in the room 308 one of the more haunted ones they said can you tell me who's in here and the spirit box said i can help <gasps> and I then mean, it said helpful. thank you I, it's like thank you uh, then he asked, tell me who you are. And the spirit box said, Mahita, which apparently is Spanish for my little girl. Oh, yeah. Mijita. My... Mijita. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Um, then in an empty room, they were, like, not investigating this room, but a camera's microphone picks up a man whispering, I was shot. <gasps> Calvin? Maybe Calvin. Calvin! And then later on because they had already had the a psychic come in and do like tarot readings and like talk about the things that he he had seen in his past visits there wait i'm so sorry i was actually thinking i didn't know that there was tarot there but when oracle also there are oracle cards that made me think earlier so if there were tarot readings there that makes sense okay there you have it sorry so no no no. so after the the psychic left or the tarot reader left um zach has the spirit box and says what is the name of the family's oracle who was sitting right there Mm. and the spirit box said patrick which was his name oh wow yikes that's really creepy also on the spirit box he later says address yourself who are you and the spirit box says marcia and then there's a silence like the spirit box isn't acting up at all and zach says marcia are you there and the spirit box says yeah i'm here (laughs) yeah i'm just I'm just, like, not interested. It's our Um, reality star ghost again. (laughs) They later ask, what do you want? Like, Zach asks, what do you want? And the spirit box says, be gone. Goodbye. Goodbye. (laughs) Goodbye. 
eventually, which feeds into this uh, Reddit poster, Cheeseburger Cat, who said that he had completely like fallen into this weird trance-like sleep and all that. Zach starts acting super weird. He doesn't even remember doing this. He says he blacked out. He walks upstairs, locks himself in a room by himself. (laughs) Nobody can find him. He like goes full-blown missing. He won't respond to anybody shouting for him. And when they find him, he's like on the bed, barely conscious. Oh my God. He said he went into this like crazy trance and he lost time. He had no idea how he got up there. And during this, when the rest of his crew end up finding him, footsteps start creaking in empty rooms and they hear tapping. Yeah. And it's almost as if the, the ghost is trying to distract them from finding him. Oh, shit. Like in other places, not where he is. Yeah. Yikes. And then they get an EVP of a man's voice saying, sleep in here. <gasps> oh, I hate that. To like him, like trying to put Zach mm-hmm. to sleep. Ooh. So... The last thing I'm going to say is that there was, I've said before, there were paranormal conferences held there. And one of them is called, uh, I don't know what this one was officially called, but it was one of the Paracons or paranormal conventions, which I don't know why we haven't gone to those yet. No, yeah. Um, but uh, next week I'm going to talk about a particular instance that happened at one of these conferences which Ooh. leads me back into talking about the psychic Heather Woodward because let's just say she saw some stuff or <gasps> did she? Or oh. did she? Oh, wait, I'm so excited because that could go so many ways because I feel like you cover <laughs> so many psychics that like either get debunked or don't. But like, that's so interesting. Okay, I'm really excited. So anyway, that the part two next week will be the a seance that was done at this conference. Oh, a seance. And what may or may not have been seen. Oh, that's all I'm going to say. Okay. Oh my gosh. So and that's exciting. the first half of the Glen Tavern Inn. Oh my gosh. That was so good. Thank you. Wow. Okay. I'm so excited for a seance and a psychic and <laughs> all the drama, the reality TV drama next. I mean, I'm adding the last part in, but. I Look, well, we can just watch reality TV after we record. Let's just, <laughs> okay, <perfect. laughs> just be what we do instead. And just talk about uh, Jersey Shore and Below Deck. And, oh, we have to talk about the plaths. We, we still do. should. I need to. Ugh. We got to watch that. It's just for, burning. For those of you who don't know and can't figure it out for yourselves yet, even I really bonded over <laughs> quarantine with reality TV shows. So, uh, anyway. You miss out on some really good conversations. <laughs> and we need to watch it. That's apparently the new season is insane. I've heard that one's like really wild. Yeah, we definitely got to get into that for sure. I can't wait. There's so many. First, yeah. I was going to say first, mm-hmm. you got to tell me a story. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Everyone knows the holidays can take a toll on your bank account. If you're looking for creative ways to increase revenue, then get started with Squarespace's new feature, Squarespace Courses. Squarespace has the tools you need to create and sell your own online course. Start with a professional layout that fits your brand, upload video lessons to teach techniques and skills, and tailor your course with the powerful built-in Fluid Engine Editor. With Squarespace Courses, you can create engaging content your audience will love, then simply add a paywall and set the price. Plus, you can charge a one-time fee or sell subscriptions. Turn your creativity into income with Squarespace courses. 
Head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to www.squarespace.com slash drink to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. It feels very fitting that Juniper is currently sitting on my lap uh, because we all want our cats to be healthy and happy because when they're happy, we're happy. But because we're not mind readers, we don't always know when they're unwell. And in my experience, cats are not the most, you know, open when it comes to sharing their woes. And there goes Junie, literally jumped right off me. So helping us keep tabs on our cat's health is just one reason you should use Pretty Litter. Pretty Litter's ultra absorbent crystals trap odor instantly. No more cat bathroom smell, thank God. Pretty Litter's super light crystal base also minimizes mess and dust. Plus, the crystals last up to a month, which means less scooping and fewer trips to the garbage can for Blaze, because that's his job. Here's the coolest thing about Pretty Litter. It changes colors to help monitor early signs of potential illness in our cats, including urinary tract infections and kidney issues, and Pretty Litter ships free right to your door in a small, lightweight bag. Pretty Litter has changed the game. The litter box is right near Leona's room, and so it is very delightful to not have that litter smell all the time when she's taking a nap. Plus, we can rest easy knowing that Juniper and his little kidneys are healthy. Pretty Litter helps keep tabs on my cat's health and keeps odors down. You and your cat are going to love Pretty Litter as much as we do. Go to prettylitter.com slash ATWWD and use code ATWWD to save 20% on your first order. That's prettylitter.com slash ATWWD, code ATWWD to save 20%. prettylitter.com slash ATWWD, code ATWWD. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I have a story for you that... Shout out yet again to my friend Ellen. This is my <laughs> second set of notes that I have used from her. She is a godsend. Thank you, Ellen. Um, Ellen of Trial Crew. She is great. Trial Crew is so fun and great. Also, you did say in your texts that like this one's going to like tickle me. That it's like, is it a silly story or something? Like, oh, what's the... No, sorry. I meant that about the story about my uh, the screaming light switch in oh, my car. I was tickled. So I guess you were so right. Uh, while you look for your notes, let me do a, a classic uh, cracking of the can for yes. a let's crack into it. Okay. ASMR people get ready for the cracking of a can. Ooh. Ooh. Uh, I don't know if that meant anything to anyone but me, but I had a good time doing it. Cheers. <laughs> By the way, shout out to Arizona Tea. Um, I recently discovered their merch website, and wow, it's so extensive. Didn't you also um, get a shirt of theirs from a thrift store that's like exactly their can? Okay, so funny you mentioned that. <laughs> I I went home to Fredericksburg literally on like such a whim. Like I accidentally ended up in Fredericksburg. And I decided, I guess Fredericksburg now is becoming, like, hip and cool and shit. And all of the stores that used to be, like, very boring to visit are now turning into, like, really cool Gen Z thrift shops. And when I was there, the very first shirt I picked up looked like it was literally the Arizona tea can design. And I was like, you're coming home with me. (laughs) I keep using, by the way, I keep using that TikTok sound. And I'm sorry for everyone who doesn't understand the reference. But... I saw that shirt. You're coming home with me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I was like, there's no way this is literally, it's too, like someone should have been sued for how accurate this design <laughs> is. Cause it looks just like the Arizona tea can. I ended up looking it up. It is literally one of many Arizona tea can shirts and they are all so cool. I literally, okay. For Christmas this is so sad, but half of my <laughs> wish list is like a bunch of Arizona tea can <laughs> merch, but it's so cool. So Arizona tea can merch company, if you're listening, I, love you and i want all of what you're offering oh my gosh this is just a brand shout out of all the- it really is free <laughs> just a total free advertisement but like mm-hmm. if you're if you know someone who likes an arizona decan 
you're going to find something clothes-wise on their website you're going to like. It is a really nice shirt. Like, it's so specific and, like... And it's so soft. Also, I, I got it soft. and it was very weathered, so I think someone, like, broke it in for me, but mm-hmm. it's my favorite shirt currently. Moving okay. on. You were about to talk about murder. No, I did find my notes, and I'm so sorry I led you to believe this is a silly story because, sadly, it's very sad. That tracks since we're talking about crime. Yeah. So, this is the story of Susan and Richard Hamlin. Okay, I to to no one's surprise, I don't know what that is or what yeah. that story, what the story is. So I only had like an inkling. There's one part that I'll tell you about later that I sort of remembered, like it kind of triggered in my brain, and I was like, oh my gosh, did Christine cover this at a live show? And I did she? I don't think she did. I looked through. Shout out again to your episode guide. Um, ah, thank you. I looked really, really diligently through that, and I went through the audio, the old live show audio. I think, I, and I kind of realized, I think I just remember us, like me and Ellen and Caitlin and Sue's talking about it in Trial Crew. So I think I just remember oh. this one twist part and being like, oh, that was just us talking about it. So Fine. Okay. Well, eye. I'm glad you, uh, it clearly resonated with you to yeah. want to do it. So, all right. Yeah. There's one, yeah, just the one spot I'll let you know later. But so... Um, of all these sources together, these are Ellen's Notes, CBS Sacramento, California Bar Journal, Village Life, Evil Lives Here, an ID show, Trapped in Hell, uh, Season 2, Episode 9. There's also a blog online that like kind of pulls all that information. And I'll talk about this later, but a somewhat questionable old true crime blog called Skeptics Dictionary that I'll mention at Ooh. the end. Okay, cool. So this is kind of a a doozy it starts with to set the stage 2004 successful attorney susan hamlin walks into a sacramento police station and confessed to witnessing a murder Hmm. plotting to kill her husband oh um who is a local prosecutor richard hamlin (gasps) oh god okay and Sorry, it gets sad pretty immediately. Subjecting her four children to physical and sexual abuse for years. (gasps) Whoa. Yeah. Oh, wow. And she claims in this confession that it was all for and with her father's satanic cult. (gasps) Wow. A lot of twists. Okay. Yeah. A lot front loaded here. So now we're going to backtrack a little bit. Well, well done with the, if we were in English class in eighth grade and my teacher's saying, you need a hook to really <laughs> lead people in. You really hooked me. So. This story alone, like, because the story kind of starts here in general, just a lot of places, just because it's like, this is where, you know, the police first hear about it. This is where people start to like hear what happened. So it's kind of like a shocking, it's also really shocking because it's like, they're, you know, both attorneys, they're wealthy suburbanites from Sacramento, like in a Sacramento suburb. Mm. And it's like, how did they go from, right, wealthy suburbanites to satanic cults? Yeah, like definitely a, I guess a leap. Yeah. Yeah. So Susan and Richard met in law school at the University of Pacific's McGeorge School of Law. Um, They only dated for about six months before Richard proposed to Susan on Valentine's Day. Wow. I know, yeah, a little, little short, but... Well, you know, you know, okay. No judgment, exactly. <laughs> yeah. After they were married, Susan went on to work at one of the top law firms in Sacramento, and meanwhile, Richard became a highly successful prosecutor in the area. Huh. 
They had four children, and Richard soon convinced, after they had these children, convinced Susan that she wanted to become a stay-at-home mom, which obviously no judgment either way on that specific thing. Yeah, I'm not loving the convinced her. Correct. (laughs) Yeah, the forcing and or convincing is... I'm a, I'm a huge fan of the idea of being a stay-at-home parent one day. Yeah. So that is not my problem. For sure, yeah. But if someone were like, you so want this, I'd be like, now mm-hmm. I don't know if I do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it's that, the thing of like... You telling me. Makes right. Me like bypassing the like, what's best for you? What are you comfortable with? Of like... It's manipulating care. consent, thinking that you want this when it's like, I, yeah. now I'm unsure if she did. That's okay, a really anyway. good way to put it. No, manipulating consent is like a really good way to put it because it's like you're like in the eyes of a lot of, you know, the top level, like looking at it, it looks like she, because she then went on to quit her job and become a stay at home mom. So it looks like she made the decision herself when it's but really she was like, like totally coerced into it. Yeah. Okay. It got seems it, got like it. 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 Yeah. She did end up leaving her job to stay home and raise the kids. The Hamlins, yet again, like so many that um, Christine talks about on here that you even mentioned earlier, were pillars of the community. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. They went to events. They went to all their kids, you know, games, sports games, neighborhood parties, church, local events. Um, they are just highly visible and highly respected in their community. Gotcha. Um, after 17 years of marriage, Richard transitioned to a successful private practice where he started making $700,000 a year. Okay, Richard. So lots coming in. And so with that amount of money that he was then able to, by the late 1990s, the Hamlins moved into a million dollar hilltop home in El Dorado Hills, Colorado, which is a shishi suburb of Sacramento. You did not have, the name alone gave it away, Eva. (laughs) Right, yeah. (laughs) I know, it has that, like, it's like the same thing, I feel like I always say this, but, like, how high school friends' names always sound like high school friends' names. This is, like, a wealthy suburb always sounds like a wealthy suburb. I, like, just saying that, I felt dirty not having my pinky up (laughs) listening to you. (laughs) And high tea at a, what is it, yacht club? Probably not a yacht club, but, okay. Could be, who knows. So they seemed like a normal, well-off family, even though things were starting to spiral downward at this point. So it starts with, well, um, Richard basically starts asking Susan a lot of questions, which (laughs) questions are fine, but he starts specifically asking about her own childhood and kind of prodding into like more specifically, did your father abuse you? Did your father sexually abuse you as a kid? And like she had brought that up like he brought it to her to be like hi did this happen to you and they were they were married already Mm -hmm. yeah so so he do we find out why he's now asking out of the blue i feel like if if you were to ask or if that conversation were to be addressed it would happen before you got i mean i don't know people's life stories but it feels like something that would have already been in the the general knowledge of their relationship right or based on something that he noticed or saw and right you know was taking a clue from so he claims that he was uncomfortable with how affectionate her father was with her meaning yeah that their hugs and like kisses on the cheek were too intimate seeming okay which okay right jury's out because obviously both of those things can be very consensual very not consensual so like yeah, I don't I I don't know where I stand yet cuz I haven't right. seen it with my own eyes, but right. I also know like 50% of me wants to be like fuck you for judging like how yeah, a parent and child love on each other. 
Mm-hmm. And second of all, it's like, wait, was it actually looking really creepy and out of character? Like, what's right. happened? So yeah. I don't, I don't know. No, for sure. It feels very nuanced. But then Susan does initially deny anything. Like, she's like, oh, no, that's not what's happening here. Gotcha. Gotcha. Denied remembering any abuse. Gotcha. Yeah, I know, because I... I was going to say, like, growing up, like, my family were New Yorkers. I don't know if that's, like, if it, that makes it a, a regional thing. Mm-hmm. I feel like anyone else I've talked to who was, like, on my side about it were yeah. New Yorkers. But I was one of those kids who, like, until, like, very – until I got much older, I, like, kissed my parents on the lips all the time. Like, that was, yeah. like – it was just, like – it's like kissing them on the cheek, but it was on the mouth. And it was never grossly sexual. It was just, like, right. how – it felt it felt like oh it's just what you do, no, and I've thing. I've and I've seen people say some like conflicting opinions on that, and I'm like, well, fuck you, like that's not how things go. No, exactly. But if, so, but if if she's saying that it wasn't ever a like nothing happened, she says to this day nothing happened. Exactly. Yeah, she's okay. like everything. Like I was never uncomfortable by those things you noticed, and also there was no abuse in my past, so that was gotcha. kind of the baseline there. Exactly. Gotcha. Um. So right, it's like. Don't, right, don't judge this parent-daughter yeah. relationship. Without exactly. knowing what's going on. Yeah, 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 yeah. And also, like, being told by her, kind of, what's going on. She seemed to right. process it and then be like, no, I, not, that's not the case. And then, um, sadly, Richard kept at it. He wasn't stalled by Susan saying that that wasn't the case. He also pulled out old childhood photos of Susan sitting on her father's lap and of her sleeping during sleepovers. Okay. But again, Susan is like, no, like trying to remember anything possibly because they've been married for a while now. And she's like, I I don't, there's nothing like I don't. So weird. Yeah. I see the same thing you are potentially thinking or seeing. Like it Um, may be like out of context, it could look weird, but it could also have just been like my upbringing and there was nothing wrong with it. Yeah, exactly. Right. Sure. Yeah. So now Susan continues to try to remember because Richard keeps pressing her, but denies the allegations that Richard's bringing. And then the issue sort of morphs into Richard worrying that Susan has repressed memories and that she's not fully remembering everything, which is why she's denying everything that he's... God, that's so manipulative. Isn't that awful? Now convincing her Mm -hmm. she has memories she doesn't even remember because they don't as far as we know, exist. Right. Which is then like you're planting something in there, which it like goes into like yeah. brainwashing. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Because now she's going to start like weirdly resenting her father or mm-hmm. something. And like, oh my God. Wow. That gets really insidious really fast. It's really hard and wild. Yeah. Especially like wow. m- mentally, just in terms of like, right. Brainwashing, like coercion. Probably not super, I don't know, this definitely gives away a lot about Richard and the whole situation is that at the around this time when he's like, oh, I think you have repressed memories, um, he also starts complaining that Susan wasn't sexual enough in their oh, marriage. okay, well, okay. Yeah, okay. right. Okay. So we're instant, like, it's like, there were some, like, back and forth, like, maybe questions, but I feel like that was the note where I was like, and he's a villain. <laughs> and yeah. it's him. And it's him. <laughs> here we are. And men are still trash. Okay, that's uh-huh. where we... Correct. Okay. Yeah, yeah, We've yeah, yeah. landed there. We got it. We're here. <laughs> it's like, he had me manipulated for a second. I was uh-uh. like, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, no, no more benefit of the doubt in no. my mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. 
Sure. So now in the story, I'm currently thinking I don't like this guy. Correct. Yes. Because he apparently demanded sex several times a day and tried to- Girl! Well, of course she would be like, I'm- I know. No, thank you. I'm so busy. I'm like- are you They're kidding? Like, like yeah. I'm all of a sudden a stay-at-home mom because you chose that for me. Like, I've got yeah. shit going on. I'm, I can't, I'm, I, no. <laughs> right, right. And, like, right. It's also, like, no judgment if that is your schedule. <laughs> Props to you if right. that is if a consensual can, schedule. If you can, if you are both happy and you can make that work. Yeah. Good, I can't. <laughs> good for <laughs> you. up to you. I need a nap, like, at least five times a day instead. Correct. And also, right, the demanding is the, like, little like crux of the sentence there because he's demanding Mm -hmm. it several times a day and he's trying to link he's trying to basically say like wow you don't want sex with me because you have these repressed memories of sexual abuse in your past that you're not taking care of or you're not Mm -hmm. like noticing um so ellen also pointed out in her notes um that she sent to me that this was also a point where susan recalls um later than um recalling back remembers her mom telling her that quote marriage is hard and you really have to work at it which like things Uh, like that are again also kind of nuanced because obviously like nothing what in life is super easy and also like you shouldn't there there are certain things you shouldn't have to work at like that are just like this is bad and yeah you get to say goodbye to that (laughs) yeah there it's 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 one of those things where, I mean, as someone who has not even had to deal with, like, religious guilt or anything like that, it I yeah. still have heard from a lot of conservative people, though, of, like, oh, you gotta, like, I, again, keep in mind, I, like, know of the Duggars and the Batesville, so that's where I'm getting my information <laughs> from, but, like, I've heard them say, like, you have to, like, you know, cater to your husband and like be willing and available. And it's like, like you should just want to do it. And if you don't want to do it, then don't fucking do it. Correct. It should be like a conversation. Yeah. That was some of the the stuff. A mutual experience, a mutually fun experience. A mutual experience. Should we all have mutual experiences? Yes. Correct. Mm -hmm. It's not like you, right. Obviously we don't need to right. But like the, the, just the like pressure and manipulation and, yeah. Yes, I say that because for her mom to be saying like, oh, sometimes life is hard and you have to make your marriage work. I could see somebody grasping at straws, hearing that and translating it for themselves into if I don't want to do right. this, I should still do it to keep my marriage you know, fulfilled. Right, exactly. Yeah, especially when you're being so manipulated by the person that you're, you know, quote unquote, supposed to be working it out with. And that person is saying it's mm-hmm. not their fault. It's some outer right thing coming into it yeah that just feels like a really big like mind fuck so after multiple long talks with richard susan still is like i just don't think any of this happened like i just don't really think it but richard is still not believing it so richard becomes obsessed with proving he was right about the abuse allegations so he actually ends up quitting his job holy shit yeah can you and, imagine being this poor woman's father and finding out that your son-in-law is on this weird manhunt to prove yeah. that you sexually assaulted your kid? Like, Yeah, that comes in a little bit later, too, because obviously the dad does find out. And, mm-hmm. Right. It's just so bad. So, right. Richard became obsessed with this. Um, he quit his job and started researching what he felt like was the biggest case of his career, which was the case against Susan's father. Okay. Yeah. 
So not surprisingly, he became more and more controlling throughout this time. Um, the Hamlin house was sort of in a form of lockdown, it sounds like. No one was allowed to answer the phone except Richard. He alone controlled all the family's finances, which is always like a gross... Never a good sign. Yeah, that's not not great. At that point, it's like yikes. Richard had so worked himself up in terms of Susan's father's alleged abuse that he decided to sue her father for depriving him of a wife with a healthy sexual appetite. Shut the fuck up. Are you kidding me? It's so bad. It's so bad. This story is your last name. (laughs) It's gross. It's so gross. It's so bad. So is that a legitimate thing you can sue someone for? I think you can sue someone for anything and cite any reason. Like, I think it's not like, you know, like there are specific charges that like when things are brought against people like federally or statewide, like I think there are specific charges you have to be like, hi, you are charged with this thing. I think when you sue people, I could be completely wrong. Please definitely correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you can just be like, hi you're being sued for oh and it was also for a million dollars he thought that he (laughs) had earned a million dollars forget it oh my god okay um hmm. yeah uh wow that's awful yeah yeah i think oh i actually did write the next bullet i wrote this is the grossest thing possible and one of those sentences that has so many things wrong with it you don't know where to start that's where i that's exactly how i feel i feel like i i don't know I am kind of frozen in time. It's just so stupid. It's very stupid. immobilizing. It's it, like... Yeah, I, it feels mm. also like one of those things that like you hear about in like back when husbands were sending their wives to asylums yes. for anything just so they could go cheat on them and never check them out again. Mm-hmm. It's It feels like it's like, if anything, very old timey and like... But even then, it doesn't even feel like that's a realistic reason. Like, if you could just sue someone's father for their daughter not turning out a certain way. And, like, to make it something so, like, vulnerable, too. Yeah. No, it, for sure, it really does sound like sort of a modern-day version of that. Of, like, right, that used to happen. And I'm sure definitely still happens in a lot of different ways. But this does sound like a real and like a really overachieving version of it because it's like he's like yeah. suing his father he's like going to all of this mind like games. imagine the arrogance where you're like oh uh-huh. i can do this and everyone will back me like what are you right. talking about well it's because i have to think i have a bullet down here later but like i have to think it's because he's a prosecutor because like oh Duh. Like yeah, he's so, has to or was like you know, and is still really well known as like you know head of like a legal fucking department, you know, mm-hmm. of like the branch yep. of the law. Anyway, I'll get there. <laughs> oh God. So, um, along with suing uh, Susan's father, Richard also started to make Susan participate in quote memory getting sessions with him. <gasps> what does this? What does that mean? Tell me, is that? Is that as bad as I think it is? It's it gets it's bad, it's it gets what pretty I think it is. bad. I'm not sh- exactly sure what you're thinking right now, but it okay. Is I just think like... I want to keep it in my own head. <laughs> okay, I think okay, it's really bad. I think it's really bad. It's mostly just like apparently like talks for hours. It does escalate. I'll mention this later too, but it does escalate to like involving weapons. Like he is basically him being like, "You have repressed memories," and her just being like completely 
like, I don't feel like not knowing what to do. Like, what do you do in that situation when like someone is that adamant and you're like, this is not reality. This is not, I'm telling you. That's things. insane. It's really wild. Yeah. So all, wow. okay. And sometimes I lasted all night long, just him and her until daybreak. And it was at this moment, it's just like his version of talk therapy of like, yeah, let's like, but that feels like so, it feels like a big conversation that ends in a dead end when like it starts with, I don't remember. Like, so now we're right. from there. Like, exactly. It's like, then he's building so much in his mind and his, you know, narrative of what's happening. It's just so wild. I feel like with um, all this money, he could have just sent her to therapy. And then I hope that therapist would have been like, please leave this man. <laughs> Correct. Right. The therapist could have been like, hi, um, maybe uh, maybe he sucks. Maybe that yeah. is, maybe everything yeah. he's saying is incorrect. And mm-hmm. it seem, it definitely seems like, I mean, we can definitely talk about it later too. But like, it's just such a like an emotional torture type situation that like, it definitely seems like she knew. Also, I mean, like. Yeah, that's just such a hard I imagine with this kind of talk therapy, the reason it went for hours and hours and hours is because she was at a dead end and I imagine that it, I mean, I've told you about my past. I Mm -hmm. imagine that uh, from personal experience, eventually it just breaks you down and you will say whatever it takes just to shut them up for five minutes. Mm -hmm. And then they just keep harping and harping until eventually you've, built out a crazy storyline and even you don't know what's going on anymore. It's right. crazy making. No, exactly. Like that definitely factors into her confession from earlier where it's like a, a lot of the sources were saying, and she even said herself, like, I, I just didn't know what to say anymore. So I just, I, and I didn't want to be with him. So I had yeah. to say something to get away. Yeah. Just to, just to like appease them. So you have a second of peace. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Which is so, so scary. Um, so finally, when she wouldn't admit to the abuse that Richard was still like really obviously harping on, Richard became violent. Shit. Okay. So he's now moved up from emotional abuse to domestic violence. He just starts devoting all of his time to this, Ellen calls it the phantom case against Susan's father. Hmm. Okay. Which I thought was a great term, phantom case. I think so too. Right. Yeah. So Richard cut off all contact between their family and Susan's family and friends. Meanwhile, he basically becomes Charlie from the mailroom uh, from It's Always Sunny <laughs> because in his I'm study, sorry, like that's like no, the worst it, time to laugh. But no, I like good. built it in because he literally does like in his study. He like pulls himself away in his study. He's got like papers everywhere, like books and research. He's like scribbling and highlighting and circling everything, just being like, this is evidence. This proves this and this proves like, you know, just like trying to link everything to this thing that doesn't doesn't exist that Susan right. says. Like I mean truly grasping at straws. Like Yeah. And the straws aren't even like, there. Yeah. And like, like Right, exactly. You're grasping at like phantom straws, like completely miscellaneous like miscellaneous, not even like yeah it's just so wild so he's charlie in his study uh he all in the name of finding evidence against to like continue to now he's already filed the suit but like to continue finding evidence against her father meanwhile the memory getting sessions get worse he keeps a gun in his lap as he's questioning her and or other weapons including his sword what yeah 
Okay. I know. Well, I feel like I... I don't... Okay. I, I know. <laughs> it's just so, like, wild. Like, again, it's, like, another... Oh, you like have a should've... sword now? Like, what? That's another one of those twists. That part of my brain is thinking, like, that's fucking horrible and traumatic. And the other part of me is, like, I feel like I should have known earlier that he had a sword. Uh, but, like... Right. But I... Also, you know what is the jarring part about that is because, first of all, I didn't know he had a sword. And second of all, I have never known anyone to have a sword and actually have it for a threatening reason. Like, oh, so that's to a me, good point. Yeah. I feel like now swords are like something you either collect or you learn about or like I'm very like I'm not in the cosplay world, but I'm pretty adjacent to it. So I mm. see a lot of like, you know, swords for like hobby stuff. Right. But I feel like a gun immediately threatened me just hearing the story but a sword i have to tell myself like oh no it's being used as like a a, a threat as a weapon right and it's like so jarring because now it just feels like anything could be a, a weapon at this point if he, it's in his lap and it's right. really creepy it's a it's a i don't know another hurdle to jump through to understand the story but no for sure it's like the it's like the the chaos of the choice right it's like jarring yeah it's like that's exactly you already had a gun why do you need a sword like yeah it's like now you're just getting creative with like making someone truly fear for their life yeah like it's it's i think that's what it is i think that's a perfect way to say it because it it feels like there's a little extra sick twist to it of like Mm -hmm. i could shoot you but i'm gonna just like do whatever I want at random at this point and you're still going to feel in, in danger. Right. And like in the same way that like, you know, any, I feel like brain is going through all of the possibilities of any situation, even if yes. it's like small, it's like you're now given a different fit. Like she was probably then at that point, like, wow, I could get shot. Wow. I'm already getting abused. Wow. I'm yeah. like, you know, physically abused. Now it's there's a fucking like, sword. Like it feels awful. like it's almost like, I don't know in some in some way like showing her just you can't even be certain about the type of pain I could put you in it's like I'm just gonna at different times display different ways that you are in full danger and you can't even guess which one is gonna happen to you no that's such a good way to put it too a mental torture yeah and like right falls right in with that like I mean toxic masculinity doesn't even seem to cover it because that doesn't even (laughs) seem like uh, like enough of impactful words yeah for that but you're right it feels like that controlling toxic thing where it's like like, you can't even feel in control of the mm -hmm. fact that you're going to get hurt it's like you don't even know in what way that's going to happen exactly yeah anyway sorry i didn't mean i didn't mean to harp on it but you said sword and my brain did gymnastics so no that's such a good way to put it too because i hadn't thought through all of the ways that that like really implied such a like a chaotic like Mm. continued emotional abuse it's just awful and not to also like completely negate the fact that at other times he had a literal fucking gun in his lap like holy shit it's just on top of bad like it's all bad um so maybe not surprisingly although he was making so much money although at this point um the hamlin family went bankrupt which obviously didn't help anything or the stress that anyone was under even like i was thinking like like shake him out of it like it felt like this moment felt like a kind of almost like a cult point mentality of like maybe he's so far into it that he's like I have to believe this now I have to keep going with it Hmm. or maybe he already believed it I would think that like not having money anymore would really like shake you out of something into some other sort of survival mode but yeah also obviously 
can make things way worse and usually does I feel like in true crime um so um then trying to get everything in writing like a lawyer Richard Mm -hmm. wrote a letter detailing his what he thought was Susan's childhood abuse and convinced Susan to sign it (gasps) oh Wow, really like a lawyer. Yeah, <laughs> like, right? Yeah. Like, a, like all that we need now is a notary. Like, are uh-huh. you kidding me? Maybe he was. I mean, who knows? I don't know who's a notary or who's not. Maybe he was his own notary. I mean, I don't know I don't if he know. can be your own notary, but. It sounds twisted enough that he, I mean, he literally quit his job to for this like weird challenge he put himself in. I wouldn't be surprised if he also went out and found a way to become a notary. Right. Know? Yeah, exactly. I wouldn't be surprised either. Oh, so it's just so heavy. Like the whole, all of it is like, so like emotionally heavy. So maybe he didn't go out to a notary, but he did, uh, make a ton of copies. So he found a copier somewhere and he plastered them all around Susan's father's neighborhood. (gasps) Oh no. I know. Oh my God. This poor, this poor, poor father. I know. I mean, this poor woman also, I'm just like, now that we've moved on to a new character in this story, this poor man, I know. like, waking up that day, and like, now walking outside, and that's what's all over your neighborhood. And like, mm-hmm. no matter what he says for the rest of time, someone's gonna be skeptical, you know? I know. Which, it is, it, so it's interesting later, um, I had the quote, but I'll, I'll share it here, that um, Susan's later Susan's sister did testify that apparently their dad wasn't a a great dad she was like listen he's not the best but also he definitely didn't sexually abuse at least me like and I did not witness anything with Susan and Susan is also saying that she never saw anything so I did think that was kind of an interesting kind of you know twist that she was like yeah, and all like he's not great. It's like and he's also not hundred percent, but he's not zero percent. Exactly. Not, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's not what this is, but he's you know, yeah, exactly. So I thought that was really um well, interesting and right, again, nuanced and that's all of gotta those. be horrible to wake up and see that accusation to all your neighbors. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Oof. Right. And if your relationship is already like not where maybe he wanted it to be with his daughters. Right. Like if that, like it just, I can't imagine coming. Back and he probably from... also was like, "What the fuck did I do to this guy?" Like, <laughs> right out of the blue, truly. Yeah. So Richard also started making Susan keep a diary, where she talked about her childhood abuse, and now he starts escalating to the idea that Susan was not just a victim of childhood sexual abuse, but now he starts layering in the idea that she is also abusing their children as well (gasps) wow it gets i get it gets so it gets so layered so fast and i'm still recovering from (laughs) three things ago i know and it's so it's just so sad and it's all so like not there like it's just he's pulling at just like you were saying like just nothing and like, why? Why would you? I mean, I'm I'm sure the reason is control or power or something. But like, why would you? If the whole thing was like you weren't getting laid enough as, as much as you, for the amount of sex you thought you deserved, why now are you going to go ruin another man's life and your children's lives? Because now you're going to convince them that their mom is abusing them. Like, yeah. why are your kids having to go through this because you weren't getting laid? Like. 
I know. It gets so fucking sad when the Ooh. kids come into it. They That comes up in just a few points, too, because he does write. He, like, tells He's them. ruining generations of people. Yeah. Just, like, the, right, the malicious, like, the just, like, the radiating maliciousness out from this one fucked yeah. up person is so, it's yeah. so awful. I mean, I, he sounds like the, the king of incels. Like, mm-hmm. just, like... Well, she's not giving me sex, so the kids are going to hate her. Her father's mm. life's going to be ruined. Her life is certainly ruined. Yeah. And I'm still not getting laid. So, like, what's the problem here? Not me. Like, right. Yeah, exactly. It's unless, like, wait a minute, what were, where, I was just going to say, so there, I didn't find, like, there wasn't in the notes that I found and the articles that I found, but I assume that he was also raping her as like, well like throughout. Like, it, it was... It was, quote, working for him that she was discovering this about him and therefore their sex life was back to where he wanted it. And it was 100% rape. That's what I was assuming. There's a point later that I was like, oh, I think that is what's happening. And it's right. Just like. This woman needs a hug. She needs a real fucking hug. Yes. Um, so this is also so, so sad. Um, but where Ellen points out in her notes that Richard starts getting really targeted with his abuse. And so Richard actually at one point broke her ribs. (gasps) Why? And then because she was in, in the, just the course of things, like not agreeing to the abuse. Certain reason. Okay. I think it was just along the lines of like not agreeing to potentially in one of the memory getting sessions. And so he would do things like break her ribs and then hit it, you know, like target that spot again, like knowing obviously where it was. It's so, so bad. It's so bad. Um, He would force her to stay in her room, obviously isolating her from her children. He even slept with a gun pointing at Susan. (gasps) Oh my God. Wow. This is okay. Wow. I know. I'm so sorry. At some point there's... At some point, there's just nothing I can even say. That's I know. I'm so sorry. Is this person still alive and around? Is she okay? Can you just tell me now that she's okay? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Wow. I just I just so hope the world for her. Okay. I know, and I'm so sorry because it does get worse. Worse. I don't want to hear it. Um, I'm going to hear it. Obviously, it's her story. It needs to be heard. But I am not going to enjoy it. And I also wonder, like, I know you're going to answer it for me in three seconds, but how Mm -hmm. the fuck does this get worse? I know. it. So it continues escalating basically along the trajectory of him seeing her as not not a victim anymore, but seeing her as participating in. And this is where the satanic cult stuff really comes in because this oh my is, god i fucking forgot there's I a know. whole satanic cult to happen yet yeah. so wait, does it turn into well you just tell me you just tell me. <laughs> yeah oh gosh i'm so sorry it's such a hard story but right again like one that in like you know i was talking to ellen about it and she was like you know this wasn't a story that i found a ton of places so it's like seems like it maybe isn't one that has been like super covered and it's also like wow like right her story really needs to be heard and yeah, validated someone needs to be talking and... about this like someone went through this yeah Holy shit. oh okay. it's just so awful so wow okay so richard right moves from 
Susan in his mind from victim to willing participant. He starts telling his children that their grandfather is a high priest in a satanic cult and that Susan was attempting to become the high priestess in that satanic cult. I'm going to let you say a few more things before (laughs) I start asking questions because we'll be here all night. Yeah. So this is also really fucking sad because this is where he starts bringing the kids into it and he would like abuse Susan in front of the children. Oh my God. I know. And tell, basically tell the kids that like that um, she had the devil in her, that she was demonic, a part of this cult um, along with their grandfather. Right. That like, wow. They obviously know Um, the children admit that they at the time believed their father, but also it's like, how would you not? I, it's survival yeah. at that point. Uh, it's per- exactly. self-preservation. Of course, you're going to believe whatever uh, whatever keeps you alive. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And they kind of, it sounds like they talked amongst themselves of like, some of the kids uh, talked about it in terms of like, oh my gosh, we need to pray for her. Others were like, no, she's lost. And like what their dad was saying, which was like, she's lost to evil and is already completely, which that's also kind of like Christian ideology, which I feel like is like a yeah. flip in terms of like pointing at quote satanism even though i feel like that's not it it's almost i have a hunch yeah i I think um hmm, satanists are don't do this correct i feel like didn't you and i one time look up the satanic like tenants and we were like i think we are satanists we believe all of these things i was like i'm certainly on board with a lot of this shit it was like very (laughs) consent based and it was very like i forget very consent based yeah so this is like i feel like I want to like put quotes around Satanism anytime it comes up because it's very like, it seems like what like a conservative would point at and be like that Satanism. Uh-huh, Whereas like uh-huh. actual Satanism seems like, do we all want to have a good time? Yeah, we're, we're all okay like, with that. I mean, I yeah. don't know, but like, I feel like that one. <laughs> but time... only if you want to. If you don't want to, I don't want to. Exactly. So like, we won't. Yeah, I'm um, just gonna talk it out. So okay, I feel like I'm just gonna ask some questions yeah. because we really went from not talking about quote satanic cults at mm-hmm. all to immediately him thinking that she's trying or telling them that she's trying to st- take the rank of a high priestess like did he have interest in this shit like it sounds like like where did that come from unless he had a, like an additional mental breakdown like right yeah what i actually caused don't that fully know like part of me thinks like it did mention they went to church um in the you know earlier so part of me was thinking like well what's the you know quote unquote like worst thing he could think of to say about her i guess so yeah i mean all signs point to the devil i guess right But like so okay it also sorry i will say too because i had this at the end but i'll say it now too that he basically like even after all of this like doubles down on the idea that he was doing this to like save children from being abused and say you know and like save that he thought that you know use terms like tip of the iceberg potentially so things mm. like that just really started sounding very QAnon-y too so part of me oh yeah you said incel before like it sounds yeah. also very kind of yeah. along those lines too so I wonder if there was some connection there that like maybe yeah I mean I don't know it was like early he... this was 2004 so like early okay internet-y times. I mean, not early internet, mm-hmm. so I was still, like, you know, a little bit before, but... But definitely not what it is today. Yeah. Yeah, I... My 
my big wonder was was like why is he bringing the kids into it if he's trying to protect them when he went to keep them away from the mom versus right watch me beat her and now you're also traumatized because if he right i mean i'm one of the smartest things my mom ever taught me was you can't rationalize with irrational people mm-hmm. and i don't know why i'm trying to logically make sense of something that is completely out of touch with reality so yeah part of me wants to shut up but also part of me is like if you're so about like taking care of the kids then but it's not about taking care of the kids it's making sure that they hate her exactly yeah it's the controlling thing that like it's even using that as an excuse for the behavior too so um this is also really bad everything is really bad richard escalates it even further and so in in at a point where he's abusing Susan in front of the kids, he says, quote, that he is going to get rid of Susan and get them a new mom. (gasps) So earlier when she, at the very beginning, when she was like thinking of killing her husband, I'm on board. Like I'm (laughs) like, I, yeah, it started. It started with me wondering why she would admit something like that. And now I get it. And now I, and now I get it. Right. It is It is interesting, like ironic that he, that's something that I think he told her to say. And also at this point, if she had, it would have been very much self-defense. Oh, yes. And like, like, I, I don't condone murder, PSA, but also mm-hmm. like that meme of Lucille Bluth going, good for her. That's... <laughs> That's where I'd leave mm-hmm. it if I found out she did kill him. I'd yeah. Be like, okay, well. Right. It just is, like, so chaotic and so torturous and abusive. It's like, how else does how... this stop? So. I, um, yeah. Okay. I know. There are a few more, like, it l- literally still ramps up a few more points, and then we, we come back down. So, I'm so sorry in advance. I really, I feel like I say this a, a lot. And, like, people take it as a joke. But I don't mean it in a joke. So if it comes off in, like, a weird, jokey way, I don't mean to. But truly, how can this get worse? I know. I know. Every time I think that is the end, mm-hmm. it is, there's more to it. Yeah. Um, well, let me tell you. Uh, so the house then goes from sort of, like, the not like metaphorical still very real prison but this is now he like really locks down the house like they barricade the house um start talking about he starts talking about how susan's father is plotting to kill him um okay this is on a okay i forgot we have like one little little ish lighter note it's not really but it's not like the ramp up and then down okay i'll just tell you so um one time this is also to to the point that everything was so locked down and he had so much, you know, abusive control of the house that one time Jehovah's witnesses came to the door and Richard ran after them with a gun Mm. and accidentally shot himself in the leg. Oh, well, I don't know if I'm supposed to feel bad, but correct. Yes. I I certainly don't. don't. Um, (laughs) but of course, like in his own head, that's not what happened. So he came back in and told his kids at least that, uh, the Jehovah's Witnesses were a part of the Satanic cult and they had come to kill him. And that quote, the Satanists had shot him. Okay. Which I feel like this is the point that I remember, but maybe it was just also in in the story that there was a moment like this that I just remember being like, oh my gosh, this boohoo, this like fucking piece of shit, like 
Yeah, and like at some point, I at some point I I want to like recognize that there's clearly like a serious mental an illness going on. Yeah, but it, like it's still like what really outweighs it all of it is that this poor woman is going through. This. Like I mean, yeah. nothing nothing compares to what this poor woman's going through. Oh, right. It's, horrible yeah no exactly um so at this point richard this is where we ramp up and then i promise we will come back down um so richard forces susan and two of their children the two older boys into the family car and really terrible he makes the kids point loaded paintball guns at susan's head the whole drive what i know it's so awful Um, oh my god yeah, one of the boys later testified that um, he 100% thought his dad was going to kill his mom, like, multiple times, including this day. Um, he, Richard, pulls over near an empty field and takes Susan out literally into the middle of this field, points a loaded gun at her head, and for whatever reason, decides not to kill her in the middle of the field, and instead, the next step of the story is taking Susan to the Sacramento police station. So we ramp all the way up there, and then we meet back at the beginning of the story. Is her confessing to her "quote unquote" crimes to the Sacramento my, my police? My adrenaline is sky high. I it doesn't look it. I'm trying to keep it together because you keep saying it's eventually gonna not be bad anymore. Uh-huh. So I hope this is the beginning of that. It's sort of the beginning. There's like one more like, I'm so sorry for your adrenaline. There is one more little like blip in this because she, so she confesses everything, obviously thinking that like she, you know, she's obviously just so scared. She's like, let me just say anything and everything. And also, even if the cops arrest me, I won't be with him. Like, at least I'll be yeah, safer, you know? Yeah. So yeah. she confesses, is in this police station. The cops, in not great form, send Child Protective Services to the house to remove all of the children, but tell Susan that she is free to go home with Richard. I'm so sorry for all of our nervous systems. That that point, like, when I read that, I was like, want to I... break things. Want to break things. You know... One of the hardest things about being a podcaster is I have to, for the sake of audio, have to have something to say. I have nothing. I got nothing. I know. I, it's so bad. And the, like, the, the, I can't imagine the the gut wrenching of mm-hmm. you tried and you failed. Yeah. I feel like in hindsight, if I were one of those kids, I would think every day about how I should have just put a paintball gun to my dad's head. Like he was in the front seat. Just get him in the fucking eye or something. Just, I don't know. Right. All of the mental, like, back and forth of anything. And, like, this is the part, too, where I was, like, I can't even imagine, like, walking into an establishment that, like, you are societally told is there to protect you mm-hmm. and protect vulnerable people, protect your community. And they so glaringly don't do that for you. And mm-hmm. also just... Right. Like, it's the thing, too, where, like, he is a prosecutor. So, like, I'm sure these cops also have seen him. Like, Mm. you know, cops have to go in, right, to court even for, like, traffic tickets that they pull over. So they know this guy. Like, I bet you it was so 
it, it was just easy. And he's a pillar of the community. So it's like, what are you talking right. about? You're having a mental breakdown or you're a woman. Right. Yeah, exactly. So I bet as wild as like they thought it sounded, I like they still clearly obviously sided with him initially because the patriarchy, because like cops, yeah, you, you know, it's just all of that. It's so and awful. And those poor kids, I, the, I, I just, I, Wow. Well, here's a good point, because thankfully the children were questioned and they were able able to tell the cops what they had actually seen versus what Richard had like told them and told Mm. them to say and like the quote unquote evidence that he had gathered. Um, So the police, as soon as they I think that was like kind of a turning point. As soon as they heard what the children were saying, they were like, thank God they were like. I mean, I'm always like so bristly about using this word, but thank God they were so brave enough. Right. I mean, a little kid defying their abusive father, that's fucking brave. Right. So I know. And, like, I was thinking, too, about, like, those questioning sessions. Like, I just hope they were – I mean, it sounds like they – thankfully, that was what turned the narrative for the police in terms of, like, them being able to arrest Richard because they then do. But I also was just like, oh, my God, those kids. Like, I hope that questioning session wasn't – I mean, it it couldn't be anything other than traumatizing, but I just hope that it was handled in a way that was, like – you know, I don't know. Yeah. All of I don't know. the easy, make it made it even a bit easier. I'm not sure, but But anyway. also by them by them standing up, they saved their mom, you yeah. know. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Um gosh, yeah, especially hearing that quote from like it was the eighteen year old at the time of the trial that was like had had testified and said that like, yeah, this day amongst multiple other times, we thought he was gonna kill her. Um so there is one more really gross part that so when Susan goes back to the house with Richard, he is trying to convince Susan to have a romantic fun evening with him, which is I that is the end because then he gets arrested. Thank fucking God. Thank God. Yeah. Um. So his trial, this was in 2004, his trial in 2006, two years later, is very in some ways, Ted Bundy-ish, because he represents himself in court. Of course. Which. I mean, just, it tracks with all the other, like, like, narcissism doesn't even begin to cover it. Yeah. Like, the, this beyond holier-than-thou image of himself, but he right. can just get away with everything. Why not, why not also be your own prosecutor? Literally, why not be just. Or your own defense or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Ellen did point out in her notes that this also made his Susan testify directly to him in court. <gasps> I didn't even think of that. I hadn't either, but That's Ellen pointed so it out. That's so twisted and it feels so intentional. Right? Yeah, that it's like another level of control that even in this place that's supposed to be unbiased, you're still, you still. And like to your abuser who like, if you've been in an abusive relationship, like yeah. you addressing what your abuser has done point blank period not not flying it just isn't it's just not gonna happen it unless you i don't know maybe she felt safe under like the fact that she was surrounded by all these people but did she then have to go home with him after no no i don't think so he had been arrested at that point so i think he was being held so i don't think i think at that point once he was arrested they were looking him in the eyes and talking about what he did I can't imagine. And being questioned. Like, if he's representing himself, like, doesn't that mean he gets to question, to, to, like, witnesses, too? People that are on the stand. Like, I can't imagine what 
she had to go through. No, it seems like there should be some semblance of more protection there that like that doesn't happen because that seems like a complete like completely compromising the reason that a trial is happening you know like you're Mm. trying to get to the truth and like if an abusive person is there your abusive person telling you to tell the truth knowing that you better fucking not like are you kidding me it's so gross it's so gross so Basically, he thankfully was sentenced to life in prison. So he is still in prison. Um, But because of the way California law is set up, is what um, was said in a few different sources, he has been eligible for parole, which his poor family every time is like, no. Like, fucking no. So in 2019, Richard Hamlin was uh, denied parole, but is eligible again in about seven years, it sounded like. Um, but it does sound like every time, like, all of the talks about it are very, like, no, don't let him out. But, like, like, just, and what would even, like, I mean, I don't, I mean, no one knows, but what would happen? Would he try to go back to her? Would he, like, do this to another woman? Like, right. Like, like what would happen? There's just no, there's nothing good that would come from him. Like, his kids probably feel the safest they have ever. Like, yeah. now, like, imagine him coming out and always wondering. I would not be surprised if they all changed their name. Like, you can... A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. So, I only have a few more points here. That questionable uh, true crime blog that I was telling you about earlier. So, I read that one and got to the end and was... Like, I felt like their coverage was just a little bit, like, not... It just felt a little too middling. Like, it was trying to be too unbiased. And I was like, okay. But this woman (laughs) was, like, emotionally, physically, and sexually... Yeah. I feel like this this is the one we're allowed to, like... Yes. Be open with our feelings. Correct. <laughs> Correct. But so this author, the author of this blog claims, and who knows if this is true or not, but claims, so this uh, true crime article, the blog article was written uh, right around the time of Richard's arrest. So it came out and this author claims that he got an email from Richard having read it and then being like, hi, I liked your coverage. And the author, <gasps> yeah. And so the author even like, kind of waffles and was like oh I guess I was like maybe too unbiased or I was trying to be like whatever whatever I mean I guess if he's like a reporter or a journalist or something they teach you to be unbiased right so maybe he was like I did my job too well maybe but it was a really like the blog itself is not connected to anything so it seems like it's not like super credible but basically it kind of gives a bit more like if this is true the author quoted Richard's email saying like things like he did it to quote get help for those children who have been violated so that they can begin on the road to health which like a lot of it just Oof. sounded very QAnon-y like like early stages oh, yeah. like that sort if of... he were out today he certainly would fall into that world yeah so that I thought that was kind of an interesting like tidbit whether or not it seems like maybe it's who knows if that's like potentially true or not um and susan thankfully susan went through just the most like hellish awful ordeal she actually now speaks about domestic violence and i have this last quote from her um this was during the last the last time that when richard was denied parole she said that process of even just him being the option of his parole being there was quote 
It was a grueling process and re-traumatizing for us all, she said. We can only hope Richard does not appeal the decision or petition to advance the next hearing date, thus shortening the seven years. But for now, we can breathe. Jeez. Wow. And how, so do we know their ages? Like where, where is she? I keep thinking of the kids as like our age now. I think. But like, it's actually probably, is that right? It might be around that. Cause I think, so I think at the time of the trial in 2006, one of the sons was 18. So that would have been a little bit younger than me. So like, yeah, maybe around like in between our ages, maybe. I think so too. 2006 yeah. at 18. Yeah. Cause in 2006 I was 14. Yeah. And I would have been a sophomore in college, I think. So that would have yes, been like, I would have been a sophomore, 20. a sophomore or freshman in high school. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. So right in the middle of us. Wow. So yeah. And how many kids were there? Four. Oh my God. Yeah. Wow. If any of you ever hear this, I'm so fucking sorry. I know. Sorry. God, it's, it's just such a, like, I just, right. My heart goes out to all of them. And like, just the idea of like, I don't know, I feel like ex- exposing people who are that manipulative feels really like important to write, talk about a story like this, because it's like, who knows what, like, it sounds like he is like the system has flipped. And it sounds like he is very being taken as like the danger that he is. But it's also like, that's such a fucking dangerous position, like m- men like that in power that are just trained their whole lives that they are entitled to anything and then we'll say anything and it's right. it's just so fucking scary and people believe them first over anyone else it's like oh it's just so awful so i know yeah to Oof. if that's if any of that family is is listening um yeah god well just i'm so sorry we wish Our, you all the good things yeah everyone send good vibes please mm-hmm. um so I think you ended up doing Christine a favor by her never having to cover that. <laughs> I, I think if she, Christine, if you're listening, she's probably like, thank God. Like, I, like that was really, really dark. But also, yeah. like you said, there's not a lot of sources out there that have covered this. Yeah, it was mostly like Ellen mentioned that too when I was talking to her about it the other day. It was, uh, yeah, some articles, mostly the Evil Lives Here episode. Um, and then... Yeah, I I really I tried to look because I kept thinking like, oh wow, like that part. It was the part about him shooting himself in the leg. I was like, for some reason, I feel like I remember that. But then again, maybe that happened in a different story. But mm. yeah, I looked all around other podcasts too to be like, was this out there? But I didn't. Let me know if I you know overlooked anything. But I I didn't uh, seem. To I, find I anything. would not know. I mean, it seems pretty pretty thorough. It also just seemed pretty horrible. Yeah. I w- how do we welcome by the way Eva to what we always struggle with it's I like know. now how do we bounce back from that to end the show I should have thought of... of something I don't have a baby app to <laughs> or a baby <laughs> my baby is the size of a molecule and actually not even that big it's, it doesn't <laughs> exist um yikes how do we bread how candle <laughs> How do, oh yeah, can you actually give a shout out to the bread candle? Yeah. Uh, what was the company called? Oh my god, it smells so much like bread. It's called the Burlap Bag Baked Bread. Burlap Bag. Oh, they don't just do bread. Oh yeah, no, the bread is just the... There's a coffee one, there's an apple cinnamon one. There's one called Cowboy Kush. I don't know what that is. Oh. Sounds maybe like 
throw back to my story. I'm excited to tell you my story next week. Uh, the yeah. second quarter. Uh, I'm trying to, I don't know how much of it I want to say or like leave you on because there is a twist to the story Ooh. of Glen Tavern Inn and what the psychic has come up with. So, um, anyway, thank you for coming on again. This is your third week. Oh Are you feeling more, com- yeah. obviously you're feeling more comfortable. You're just like throwing out <laughs> horrific stories left and right. I know. Next one is not quite, well, it's like in some ways it's like a bigger story, but I think it's less like emotionally impactful because it okay. might a it might be one you've already heard and b might be like a little less uh, like I don't know the right words to say, but I think <sighs> I think you'll like it. I guess we'll figure it out after my psychic mm-hmm. twist next week. Yeah. Uh, so thank you everyone for listening, and also, wow, everyone. Good luck with the rest of your day. And whatever happens on your day to day, just know that like it's only going up from here because we've yeah. just bummed everyone out. Oh gosh, um, I'm so sorry. I'm really doing the thing. You're just you're just doing Christine's work, is what you're doing. You're just, <laughs> we, she passed on the torch to the right person. Oh, uh, so uh, thank you. Next week, uh, I think your that's your last week yeah uh guest hosting and then we've yeah. got a new person coming on afterwards oh my gosh thank you for having me and like i just it's so nice to be able to chat with you in this way and thanks everyone really? for listening to me i hope i did a, i hope i did christine's seat obviously not here amongst all of my stuff but christine's like metaphorical seat justice you certainly left a mark that's for sure <laughs> Um, okay, so we'll see you next week for your last episode and uh, finish up my story and yeah. hear something, maybe, fingers crossed, better than this week's. Because, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> yeah. wow. And that's why we drink. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, We've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support so you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia.